And it's the road is rocky. I'm looking to try to make smile to break sight to the blind man. It's down to the left child. We will survive. It is time to put in this. Swimming through the waters of Babylon like a rebel fish. Jogging is specialist. Critical and survivalist. Spinning heaven. Fight from his lips. Burn a slave driver. To time for an awakening on Black Talk Radio Network, new media for the new millennia. This is a history and current events program from a cultural perspective. We find this program necessary because Hosea 4 6 states, My people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. But we as a people will turn this around. Proverbs 4 7 states, Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. It's all about getting it an understanding. Again, welcome to the program this evening with your host, Brother Elliot and Brother Richard. The number to reach us to get involved in the conversation this evening is 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. We're streaming live audio at several locations. You can go to timeforanawakening.com, which is the homepage and catch the live stream. At that location, you can join us at www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening. Again, that's www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening. And live audio is playing there. We're streaming at abitumi.com. That's A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I.com forward slash time for an awakening. We stream from Ghana. Or you can join us on the TuneIn radio app. TuneIn is a free radio app in that tune in search engine just type in time for an awakening there you'll see the icon and you can stream the program live even into your car if you had a bluetooth capabilities or the auxiliary connection again that's time for an awakening radio program with the live stream on the tune in app drop us an email at time for an awakening at gmail.com again that's time for an awakening at gmail.com time for an awakening also has a fan page on facebook and that Facebook search engine, you can type in Time for an Awakening radio program. There you always see interesting content being posted daily by myself or Brother Richard. And do me a favor, before you leave that page, just hit that like button. That's Time for an Awakening radio program with the fan page on Facebook. And Time for an Awakening media is also there. Always full of the latest podcasts of the various programs on Time for an Awakening media. Interesting articles that you can read, download at later times, and share with your friends. Also, check out that Time for an Awakening Marketplace and our partnership with the BB Toomey. Always interesting things in the marketplace all the time. Uh, various African language classes, classes on education, economics, social systems, health, and much, much more being taught by professors on both the continent and in the diaspora. So, again, make that one of your favorites. Put that in your address bar. That's timeforanawakening.com. Timeforanawakening.com will take you straight to Time for an Awakening Media. It's 7.07 here on this fall Sunday evening, November the 5th edition of Time for an Awakening, Sunday edition. Our guest this evening in conversation, author, Sirius XM radio host and political scientist, Dr. Wilma Leon, is scheduled to join us this evening. Uh, Dr. Leon wrote an interesting article (laughs) that uh, I think needs to be shared with our listening audience. 
the title of the article, The Dangers of Menstrual Diplomacy. We'll be right back to get the program started after a brief word from our sponsors. Mr. Moderator, our distinguished guests, brothers and sisters, our friends and, and our enemies. <laughs> Everybody is here. You're listening to Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts or live programming, hit them up at timeforanawakening.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years, located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services, representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies, offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 21- 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Dooley Brothers, specializing in shingle, rubber roofs, gutters, downspouts, and vinyl sidings. Call for your free estimate today, 215-224-3882. That's 215-224-3882. Dooley Brothers Roofing, the roofing experts you can trust. That number again, 215-224-3882. 215-224-3882. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter, serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. Overworked? Suffering with an underperforming company, headache customer, staff, or vendors? Or are you a startup who wants to get it right the first time and avoid the costly mistakes? We turned a $24,000 a year odd job handyman service into a seven-figure high-end custom home builder and commercial contractor licensed and operating in three states. This is just one transformation created for entrepreneurs like you in various industries around the country. Not what you're used to from accounting and business consulting? Well, welcome to New Business Solutions. If you're ready to go beyond advising, coaching, and training and get implemented results, call 301-244-9072. Let New Business Solutions apply the best comprehensive administrative accounting, operations, human resources, management, sales, and marketing to help you actualize your vision for yourself and your company. From anywhere nationally, call 301-244-9072. Spelled new as in numerous on your device right now. Book your free consultation at newbusinesssolutions.com. History is a clock that people use to tell their political and cultural time of day. It is also a compass that people use to find themselves on the map of human geography. History tells of people where they have been and what they have been, where they are and what they are. 
most important, history tells a people where they still must go, what they still must be. The relationship of history to the people is the same as the relationship of a mother to her child. From antiquity to the present, our people need to develop a new paradigm. It's time for an awakening with your host, Brother Elliot. Sundays, 7 p.m., Fridays at 8 p.m. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit us up at Time for an Awakening at gmail.com. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening, uh, 712, on this Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening. Before we get started with our program this evening, I want to welcome in my co-host, Philadelphia activist and tour guide at the African American Museum here in Philadelphia. It's Seventh and Arch. Brother Richard is with us. Brother Richard. Yes, sir, Brother Elliot. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm doing fine. I'm, I, you know, I'm definitely, I'm so glad, Elliot, that we are um, c- continuing to um, develop and unpack um, the, what's, you know, this, this, this concept for me of where do black people fall in, black in America fall in, in relationship to power politics and who does these representatives interest that we vote for or black people vote for? Who interests do they really serve? And I'm glad that you, uh, you know, schooled me to um, Dr. Leon's um, article because he really pulled together everything that we've been working through, um, you know, over the different, mo- you know, periods on Time for Awakening. So I'm hoping that he don't mind that I'm also um, in school right now and his article gave is going to give us a launch off point to kind of really continue to get clarification where we are in this moment, where we are as black people in this moment of uh, the um, political and power politics. Richard, before we bring on our guests, you know, of course, we've been talking about this on several occasions with, with a lot of different folks um, in and around this subject. And. Uh, you read this on the program before, maybe about eight months ago, but I want to read it again to kind of set up our conversation with Dr. Leon and his article, The Dangers of Menstrual Diplomacy. But this came from the declaration that came from 1972 uh, Gary Convention. Uh, Most, if not all, of the people that were there have made transition, Richard. Mm. But they left something here that we can use as a template and not only use as a template, use it to look back and educate ourselves and see what we need to do, see the mistakes that we made and kind of move forward from that point. But I I just want to share a couple of paragraphs here to kind of set up our conversation with Dr. Leon. And this comes from the, uh, the declaration of the the Gary uh, National Black Political Convention in 1972. It says, for more than a century, we have followed the path of political dependence on white men and their systems. From the Liberty Party in the decades before the Civil War to the Republican Party of Abraham Lincoln, we trusted in white men and white politics as our deliverers. Sixty years ago, W.E.B. Du Bois said that he would give the Democrats their last chance to prove their sincere commitment to equality for black people. 
and he was given white riots and official segregation in peace and in war. Nevertheless, some 20 years later, we became Democrats in the name of Franklin Roosevelt, then supported his successor, Harry Truman, and even tried a nonpartisan Republican general of the army named Eisenhower. We were wooed like many others by the superficial liberalism of John F. Kennedy and the make-believe populism of Lyndon Johnson. Let there be no more of that. Both parties have betrayed us. Here at Gary, lest we never forget that while the times and names of the parties have continually changed, one truth has faced us insistently, never changing. Both parties have betrayed us whenever their interests conflicted with ours, which is most of the time. And whenever our forces were unorganized, dependent, and compliant, nor should this be surprising. For by now we must know that America political system, like all other white institutions in America, was designed to operate for the benefit of the white race. It was never meant to do anything else. We begin here now in Gary. We begin with an independent black political movement, an independent black political agenda, an independent black spirit. Nothing less will do. We must build for our people. We must build for our world. We stand on the edge of history. We cannot turn back. Now, Richard, that came from a lot of men that were committed to our people. Just about all of them are ancestors now. But it's clear that in that group, Richard, that we had traitors. It is clear because of what has happened. But let's, you know, this article tonight is going to break a lot of things open for our people. I'm glad to have author, columnist, serious XM radio host, and political scientist, Dr. Wilma Leon, here to join us. Dr. Leon, are you there? Yes, yes, I am. Good evening. How are you? I'm glad to have you back on time for an awakening with myself and Brother Richard. And uh, Dr. Leon has been, uh, got to be eight or nine years, I'm sorry to say, but, uh, you know, I've been watching your work from afar. Uh, we got mutual friends, Brother Obi and a lot of others, so uh, okay, okay. It's, it's all family. That, all the time. <laughs> Dr. Leon, be- before we start talking about your article, um, let me go back, and you heard uh, the uh, the portion of the proclamation or the declaration that I read from the seventy two convention. Yes, and in your I estimation, did. as a political scientist, what happened from seventy two, fifty years later, to now? What what do you see has been our huge mistake? Well, wow, that, that's a that's a that's quite a question. Let me let me start with with Gary. Go ahead, take take and your time. Take let, approach it however you want. Let, let me let me start with with Gary, and let me start with the Congressional Black Caucus. Mm. And looking at the original members of the caucus and where they came from in the context of black politics. 
and you know, within the community, um, within organizing out, uh, out of the civil rights movement. And so they, they came with, with practical hands-on reality. And what I see has happened for the most part now, I think there are 47 of them now, a lot of them now have are so so much separated from that original uh, group founding ideology that they're not they're not working in in the direction and for the betterment of African Americans. So they've they've assimilated into the mainstream um, into the mainstream politics and. That's causing, I think, uh, uh, there's a tremendous vacuum. And when you get to the, to a great degree, to the state and national level in terms of policy, now you're hitting a backlog because you don't have people there that are advocating, that are looking at legislation, that are doing the, providing the kinds of protections that people have come to expect from their elected representatives. Let, let, let me put it that way. Ho- hopefully that didn't ramble. Oh, no, no. And, and if you don't mind, Elliot, no, no, as, jump a follow, in, jump as a follow-up to that, to that um, because – I'm sorry, um, say, I didn't hear you. Say that again. There's a – as, as a follow-up to that. Oh, the, okay. Uh-huh. The question I wanted, would want to ask, um, in whose interests do these elected officials um, represent? Um, if they're not being advocates for the people who elect them. And is that important to be able to determine the interest when we're looking at the policies that they are supporting? Whose interest oh. would you say? Oh, well, first of all, yes, that that is a very important element to understand because he or she who pays the piper calls the tune. Um, but let me let me start let me let me say two things here before I, I get in get back into answering that question. And one is I'm going to speak in many instances in some generalities. And I know that in that there will be exceptions to what I say. I I'm all, I'm painting with a with a broad brush for the sake of expediency. I'll do my best to be as specific as I can, but understand what I'm saying about the Black Caucus as a body, there may be examples. I mean, there may be uh, situations where that doesn't always apply in every situation. I want to be clear there. The other thing that I'd like to say is my perspective comes from the perspective of an African-American political scientist. And I, I, I want to be very clear on that because a number of years ago, uh, uh, Dr. Matt Jones wrote a piece called the message to the black political scientist mm-hmm. and what he, what he was demanding of us was that we understand the perspective through which our analysis must come. That uh, he said, we had to develop a Weltanschung, a worldview yes. that, that was centered around the fact that we are African African and African Americans. Mm-hmm. So I want to. I want to. I wanted to, to make that point as well. Um, so now back to the back to the back to the caucus. And yes, we do need to know uh, 
where their money comes from, because in many instances, if you if you follow the money, uh, just like in a RICO case, if you follow the money, you in many instances will be able to understand why particular positions have been taken, looking at particular legislation. And and for example, when you and I'm I'm not picking on these brothers, but they just happen to be the ones that are up in center right now. When you look at Hakeem Jeffries and the amount of money that that he uh, campaign contributions that come from organizations such as the the JDL and and other kinds of organizations, um, through legal political campaign funding, then you can gain some understanding of the positions that he's going to take, the legislation that he's going to support, and the interests that he's going to protect. Mm. And he's one example of many. He or she who pays the piper calls the tune. And and that's not unique to them. That's politics in America. True, true. And 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 I don't I don't want to you know like in this moment, you know, I think it's important for us to and I to unpack and not mm-hmm. just the representatives that are in these bodies and in these in these legislative whether they be state I mean, national, state, or local, but the, in, the how the the we the the people, black people. Um, I, I, I respect that charge that Joe, the political scientist was given, because that should be the charge of black people. What, what do we, you know, what is our worldview we are operating from when we're selecting? So I, I'm 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 clear on the mm-hmm. point that you raise um, mm-hmm. because there's a dichotomy here that I think we need to unpack and it goes to the basis of your article um, in relationship to um, what, not just because they're who pays them and the interest they represent, but who sends them there and don't say anything as they're representing that interest. um, If that makes any sense. I I think it does. I, 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 what you're, what I understand you to be asking uh, is, we have to, you know, we have to understand who sent you, right? And when we understand who sent, you know, they say uh, one of the things about Chicago, and particularly on the South Side, is that they want to know if if you're coming into the community from outside the community, they want to know who sent you. Mm. They, <laughs> uh, you can't just come in our community. Uh, without without some credentials, we want to know why you're here and who sent you, and um, that's very important in, in in terms of your political representatives. Because again, it's all about the, whose interests are being protected in the process or by the process. And what we find out time and time and time again is, folks want to come into our community. And they and they want to talk about the things that they know need to be done. They know what buttons to push, but once we vote for them, they don't follow through on the commitments that were made. And we don't hold them. And again, I'm speaking very generally, but we don't hold them accountable. We get convinced that you got to be patient. This is how the system works. You're demanding too much too soon. You just need to go along with the flow right now, and yours will come by and by. Mm-hmm. And 
in, in many instances, I think uh, we have been convinced that it's okay to be indirect beneficiaries of policy instead of being direct beneficiaries of policy. And, and what I mean by that is when you look at uh, some of the early legislation that President Obama signed in his first administration, uh, the Lilly Led Better Fair Pay Act was one of the first pieces of legislation I, be, I believe he, he signed. That was a payoff for the women that backed him, and rightfully so. That's how your politics is supposed to work. You, you know, you invest your time and your money and your effort into a candidate, and when that candidate wins, then that candidate is, is supposed to respond to the people that sent him there. And then you had an African-American president speaking out in favor of same-sex marriage. Mm. And that, that was a response, that was a payoff to that part of the community that backed him to the degree that they did. And that's how it's supposed to work. Well, we were told, well, there are women that are black, so you should be happy with the Lily Ledbetter Fair Pay Act because black women will indirectly benefit. Uh, there are African-Americans in the, eight, uh, uh, in, the, in the lesbian and gay community, and so they're indirect benefit, beneficiary. So where's ours? Right. Where's ours? But we, we have been convinced, and if I'm talking too much, please stop me. Um, we have been convinced that it's okay to be indirect beneficiaries of policy instead of getting the things that the candidates come to the community and promise us when they're running for office. How about that? Yep. <laughs> We're in conversation this evening with all the columnists. XM radio host and political scientist, Dr. Wilma Leon. You can join the conversation with a question or comment by dialing 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. Uh, Dr. Leon, oh, and I... Did, my, I, answer, did I answer your question? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. I'm, okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, and, and, it's, and, and I'm flushing out because I'm flushing out, you know, uh, various things here. And, I, mm. and I, you know, and I know we have limited time and and we want to get it because, you know, one, either we're uh, a people, you know, uh, as a body politics who have a political interest, a domestic interest, therefore mm -hmm. policies that we're looking for and an international interest, you know, that mm -hmm. we represent based off of our particular values. If these people, as you line out in your article, are acting as you characterize um, minstrelly, in relationship to how they're, whether, you know, for these interest groups or mm -hmm. how they're supporting policies that are not in alignment with our values, then we need to be clear what our values are as a people, unless we're just individual electorates who vote people in or we're just, this is our, they're representing our values, which says something about us as a people um, in America, you know, with a particular history in the Democratic Party, if you know, so you it, did. It, you we're developing, you know, what you did answer my question in short, and it, and it's more of the latter than 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 the former. Um, <laughs> it, it's much more uh, individualistic than it than it is uh, um, collective. Yes, that's so, the part. Go ahead. 
No, that's, that's the funny part from where Elliot started in that 72 convention because right. that was a collective um, and the question of how did we got to this, um, mm-hmm. we need to be clear on from a political perspective uh, and worldview. Because, see, since I, I will say, I'll just use this, I think, for simple math. Uh, you can start with the Reagan administration, mm. and you can see a a slow shift to the right, of, uh, uh, an ongoing shift to the right of American politics. And one of the elements of that Republican conservative politics is individualism. Hmm. And so as, as we as the country has moved further right, and with that, that element of individualism, and the, the empowering the individual, then our politics has gone in, has gone in the same direction. Maybe not as far, but in the same direction. So in a lot of ways, we have bought into that construct of individual. And we have done it at the sake of the collective. So Fannie Lou Hamer wasn't what she wasn't. She wasn't risking her life and suffering to the degree that she did so that she could vote. She did that so that we could vote. Yes. That's just one example. Yes. (laughs) Dr. Leon, uh, and, I, and I recommend that the uh, Time for Awakening audience pull down the article, The Dangers of Minstrel Diplomacy. Uh, if you Google it, you'll, you'll, you'll see it. Uh, very interesting article, and we're going to be referring to that back and forth this evening in conversation. Dr. Leon, let me read a couple of paragraphs to kind of set up this uh, minstrel diplomacy that you're talking about here, because you talked about how messaging, messaging is important. But let me read a couple of these paragraphs to kind of get you to kind of build to this point. You mentioned here, humankind is witnessing the fall of the Western Empire. People naturally tend to think that a fall or collapse of this nature would be more immediate, dramatic, and easily recognized. To the contrary, empires tend to collapse over time. As empires begin their decline, messages becomes very important. Now, before we get to the menstrual diplomacy, talk about what you stated there in those couple of paragraphs about the fall of this Western empire. Because I agree with you, but I I just want you to kind of speak from your perspective. Well, okay. And I'll be as succinct as I can be. Since World War II... At the end of World War II, the United States was was the biggest person standing or the biggest biggest country standing in the room. And so we basically took on the um, the the role as the as the as the global dominant force. And we we set the rules and what we said, go. Hence, um, this whole idea. Well, anyway. okay, so. But what has happened over time through uh, people getting tired of neocolonialism, people getting tired of neoliberal policies where the United States has been influencing or controlling or overthrowing their governments and installing the, the people that, the, that would be more in line with the interests of the United States, other players are now, are now coming, coming to the forefront, basically China and Russia 
through their economic development, they have risen to a place in the world where they are now ready to challenge the United States as a global economic hegemon. And the United States is doing everything in its power to hold on to the last vestiges of that empire. But China, Brazil, uh, China, Russia, India, South Africa, the, the BRICS countries, they have now formed an economic block. They are doing things to uh, not be to lessen the impact of American sanctions in business transactions. And so with all of that, the United States, again, is doing everything in its power with all of the sanctions regimes that it employs and look at what it's trying to do in Ukraine, backing that fiasco, look at what it's doing now in, in, um, in occupied Palestine with the Israeli government and look at what it's trying to do with China over Taiwan, trying to pick all of these fights, trying to get China and Russia and Iran and so on and so forth off of their game. And they're not taking the bait. And so what we're seeing, and, and thank God that cooler heads in those countries are prevailing because they're not taking the bait. Um, but we are witnessing the fall of the Western Empire, and a lot of it is due to, to actions that the United States is taking in a desperate attempt to save the empire. Uh, Dr. Leon, you talk in this article here, before we get to the Minister of Diplomacy, about an empire starting to overreach. Mm -hmm. And you quoted uh, Janet Yellen. And let me read this for the listening audience, because I didn't see this article until I read your article and I pulled it up. Uh, The header says, Yellen says U.S. can afford to support two wars. America stands behind Israel, period. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen said on Monday, the U.S. can afford to support both Ukraine and Israel in their respective war efforts without hindering the nation's economy. She continued, American can certainly afford to stand with Israel and support Israel's military needs, and we can also uh, support Ukraine in its struggle against Russia. The American economy is doing well. So we see here that she said this, And if you look back at the money that has been spent, I think I pulled up uh, so far since that Ukraine war, over $113 billion has been spent to support the Ukraine and that war effort. And then this month alone, and that was up until September, I think they just approved uh, 14.5 going to Israel, and I think they turned down the $61 billion to go to the Ukraine, they, they might still approve it. But look at all this money that have went mm-hmm. to this war effort. When mm-hmm. you've got black farmers that had $5 billion for debt relief and discrimination, money was taken away, the, the, the country can't afford it. Uh, black people been uh, uh, in this fight for reparations almost for 100 years. It has, it has really fired up maybe over the past five years. Uh, the country claims that they can't afford it. But just in a year's time, or less, or maybe a year and a half, hundreds of billions of dollars has been spent towards war. And black politicians, 
that supposedly represent your interests are not even mentioning some of the things we're talking about. They're right. full scale ahead towards this uh, 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 militarism. But I, I'm saying that in reference to um, you're building up when you said here that it's necessary to put a image or a face, a face on this decline. Mm-hmm. Talk, talk about it from your perspective there, because you, <laughs> I, I never heard that, uh, fr- that, uh, phrase coined, but, uh, I like what you which, said. Which, which phrase is that? Uh, uh, minstrel diplomacy. Oh, oh, well, that's a, that's a Wilmer Leonism. Uh, <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, well, so, so what, what I, what I try to do with the article is uh, with the op-ed is is I, I'm I'm trying to build an argument, and I'm trying to lay out uh, an argument, and that's why I open up with uh, Carter G. Woodson from Miseducation of the, of the Negro. When you control a man's thinking, you don't you don't have to worry about his actions. He will find his own proper place and will stay in it. So this is all about. I'm, I'm building a case to support the argument that we're being sold uh, an empty box. And we have to be very, very clear in understanding of who's selling this box to us and why they've been selected to do so. And so I start with an argument that we're in a defining time. Many times things happen in the world and it's only after you have a chance to reflect upon them that you realize that that time was a um, was a critical time, a time to change the game. And there are other times when things happen and you know right in the moment, this is the moment. And so I want to make the point, we're in a moment right now. And uh, we could very well be looking at World War III. And people need to understand that that's not hyperbole on my part. That's a, that's, a, that's a reality that is staring us dead in the face. And that this is not inevitable, but it is becoming predictable based upon a lot of the actions that are being taken. And so we're, we're, we're in that moment right now. Um, and so then I go into understanding why in perilous times like this or like these, empires need to sell you something because imagery is very important. Controlling thought process is very important. And also understanding that empires, again, they don't fail rapidly. I I use the reference of uh, in the sun also rises, how the guy went bankrupt. He said, I went bankrupt two ways, gradually, then suddenly. Mm -hmm. So, um, when you start to look, how can I, I, I'm a, I want to get right, right to the point here. How can anybody of African descent back the United States mm-hmm. trying to invade Haiti? How can you come out to this community and sell us that as a good idea? I'd love to hear an answer to that. How can you come and sell the black community genocide in Palestine is a good idea. 
Mm-hmm. How I need I need someone to come to me and please. Not that I'm special, but I'm confused. Maybe because I'm special. <laughs> I'm confused. So so and so when we look at Linda Thomas Greenfield at the UN, <laughs> we look at uh, you know telling us that the United States can't support Brazil's attempt at a ceasefire in Palestine because um, she doesn't like the wording. Israel comes out looking bad here. Well, (laughs) boys and girls, sometimes the baby is ugly. And sometimes, not all babies are cute. Sometimes, you know, I've seen ugly babies. Some might say I was one. I've seen ugly babies in my day. And sometimes you got to say, you know what? That's not an attractive baby. Uh, this is, uh, let me stop. Cause I, I could, I could ramble for another 45 minutes. Uh, let me stop. So I, I'm, I'm sure to stay on track with your questions. Um, just to, you know, again, to interject because this, the, and, 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 and I'll, Elliot, you can go back to it, but the, the article, when you say effective entertainment device, <laughs> yeah, you know, um, because well, I was building. I was building the. the, the so, you know, if I'm talking about minstrelsy, then you have to understand. Not you personally. The audience has to understand, because we know that I'm not going to assume that everybody that knows the word minstrel knows exactly what it is and why it was created and how it was used. So I wanted to be sure that folks understood that a minstrel show was an entertainment device and that it played upon the stereotypes of black people and it was used as a way to to mock us and to entertain white people and white people would put burnt cork on their skin and then they would do these incredibly demeaning impressions and interpretations of black life and sometimes Black actors and act, act, actresses did the same thing because they understood that in order to make the audience more comfortable with them, they had to engage in this behavior as well. And that, for me, is what is happening right now as a lot of African Americans are being used to try to sell us dangerous, deadly, uh, imperialistic policy that is not benefiting people of color. That, to me, is the point. And therein lies the minstrel. You know, you... Go ahead, go ahead, Richard. Finish your thought. Okay, okay, go ahead, go ahead. I did want to... Uh, because you mentioned here in the article there's something that I was unaware of, and I don't know whether you were aware of it, Richard. That in, and let me read this for the listening audience. Uh, the U.S. understands the poor optics of its uh, leading the invasion into Haiti, so it is trying mm-hmm. desperately to find a black-led country or blackface to take the lead. Vice mm-hmm. President Harris and Representative Jeffries traveled to Nassau in June for the U.S. Caribbean leaders' meeting and f- in a failed attempt to convince CARICOM countries to back the play. Now, I didn't realize that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Good, uh, enlighten our audience, uh, uh, Dr. Leon. So, 
the United States for a number of years has been hands-on involved in the ongoing destabilization of Haiti. Haiti, uh, a lot of people don't, if, and, and, and it's important uh, when you get a chance, pull up a map, and or if you can, folks listening right now, pull up a map, and these geopolitics are incredibly, incredibly important, and you'll get a clearer understanding of them if you're looking at a map. <laughs> so the United States wants to build a naval base in Haiti. The United States now is afraid that China is gonna is going to come that that one of America's one of the United States vulnerabilities is the Caribbean and China trying to access us through the Caribbean. And so the United States wants to build a uh, navy base there. The United States is also concerned about losing access to its cheap Chinese labor supply. And Haiti has a cheap labor supply. So the United States wants to try to ensure access to a cheap labor supply as our relationship with China is in a state of flux. So there are a number of reasons why Haiti is very important, very strategic. There are geological surveys that have shown there may be more oil off the coast of Haiti than there is off the coast of Venezuela. So there are a number of reasons why the why Haiti is 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 very very. There's gold in Haiti. Uh, there's land in Haiti that the elite would love to get their hands on. And the uh, from I've, I've read reports that the Clintons yes. have been trying to build a resort in Haiti. Okay, so um, the United States, but right now understands that if if white soldiers in green uniforms storm the shores of Haiti, basically, I'm using that to say, if the American army came ashore, that would look bad. Mm -hmm. The optics of that right now would be horrific. And those dark Haitians and those white soldiers, or well, many of whom would they, they'd be black soldiers, but still in green uniforms, um, that wouldn't look good. So the United States has been trying to find an African-led country that will go in and handle this business, and the United States will pay for it. The United States has committed, last I saw, like $125 billion to doing this. Wow. Um, and so they tried to get one of the CARICOM countries to do it, but they said no. So now they've gone to Kenya, and Kenya has agreed to do it. In fact, Lloyd Austin just left Kenya after signing like a five-year um, so-called uh, security plan uh, with Kenya. But, but why would why would why would a thousand Kenyan soldiers be interested in going to Haiti and fighting Haitians? I mean, ask ask yourself that. Uh, you know, now it's is that a done deal as far as you know, uh, Doctor Leon? Because I know that their courts. No. Go, go ahead. No, it's not. It's not a done deal. Uh, there are there are those in in Kenya that have challenged the decision, saying that this that this decision violates the Kenyan Constitution. And so, right now, the Kenyan Supreme Court is is waiting to issue a decision 
as to whether this can go through or not. But I'll be very surprised if the United States said we're going to put up, I, I want to see, was it 100 million or 100 billion? I think 100 million. Okay. Um, 100 million into the, into the game uh, and into the pockets that somehow folks won't uh, be convinced to look, to look at things another way. But you know, but you know, um, Dr. Leon, as you mentioned about Kenya, and it's, it's a it's a concern that you raised in in dealing with this the the whole thing of this the minstrel as far as the elect the black elected officials that are there. It's, a, it's, it's a hundred million. I, I I think I said billion. It's a hundred million. million. Um, the point of you know what's um, one just like Kenya's um, judicial system is putting a slowdown. Remember when um, Nigeria was um, going to um, go into Niger, um, the Nigerian state put a slowdown on on that. And then you had those Francophone countries that were, mm-hmm. you know, um, saying not only were they going to um, push France out, but they were going to, with Nigeria, Guinea-Bissau, and Mali, right. create a, a, a pact. To this point that you're making of what they need, the individual, they can't go in um, stark with a with a white face, white army anymore. They have to. And here, what makes it dangerous to me um, is, and, and I want to make sure I'm centering this into what is black people, our political position in geopolitics, in power politics, domestic and international, because they're using black images mm-hmm. to do this. The fear I'm having, because this is a fascist moment when we look at what's going on in Palestine. So the question of black people as a political unit in the United States, what is our core values? We don't have one. That's, that's, we don't, we don't have one because we're not, we're, we're not, we don't have a core value because we don't have a core. Mm -hmm. And, and that in my mind, that, that is the problem. That was one of the things that they were trying to, uh, I believe, get to with the Gary conference. They were trying to get to a core and to a great degree. I believed that I believe that they did get to a core because uh, yeah. when you read, when you read that, that, uh, that statement from the Gary conference, a lot of the maladies, a lot of the, conditions, a lot of the circumstances that were articulated in that statement are, are true to this day. Yes. We are, we are, go ahead. No, 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 no I'm just agreeing with you. Go ahead. <laughs> so, so, uh, so, so no, we don't, we, we've run from the core to a great degree. We're afraid of the core because of to, a, to the way that the message has been sold to us that that we we have been convinced that for some reason if we're pro us we're anti them mm. we're one of, we're one of the few ethnicities in this country that has bought into the construct that to be pro me is anti you why can't I just be pro me? Mm-hmm. That's that's why you hear, for example, the response to uh, to Black Lives Matter. 
oh, well, all lives matter. Mm-hmm. Well, no. If all lives did matter, we wouldn't have to highlight the fact that black lives don't matter. But, but somehow, by my articulating that belief that I'm pro-me, that gets misinterpreted as I'm anti-you. But that's really, they're projecting upon, upon us their bigotry. Hence, um, Baldwin's uh, uh, I'm Not Your Nigger. And mm-hmm. if you go back and read that book or, or go and look at the, um, the, the, the YouTube where he is uh, on the Dick Cavett show, and he's explaining what that means. You know, uh, the dominant element in America has spent an incredible amount of time projecting these images on us, and we have bought into the imagery. But when you peel it all back, what it is really is they're inflicting their sense of inferiority upon us. It's it's anyway. Uh, if you get a chance, read the book or 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 look at look at Baldwin on uh, on 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 Dick Cavett. Doctor Leon, you you mentioned uh, messaging, which is yes. important to a failing society. Now, uh, politics as as and I'm a novice. You you uh, you are political scientist. Politics is if I'm a politician and I come from a community or a district or a whatever. If I'm a congressman, I'm supposed to be the voice of the people that voted for me. Correct. Not my personal uh, uh, agenda. Whatever that. And see that that's why for me it's important for elected officials to have community meetings, inform the community whatever's going on, and then the consensus that comes out of the meetings with the communities or meetings with the community, several sessions, meeting, meeting churches. Black churches was mm-hmm. always a voice for black people. Meeting churches, mm-hmm. meeting community centers. And the consensus of your district is supposed to be what you say. But we can see that mm-hmm. that's not going on, just like you right. fully explained. But this is the point which goes to your article. The messaging that's coming from uh, Europe, this European government is that any of these people, and it just happens to be Palestinians or Hamas now, are animals, and they have to be dealt with. Mm-hmm. Now, they just tried it out uh, Obama a couple of days ago, and I meant to try to pull some uh, segments from his speech to kind of play on this program. But I want to uh, just play a couple of uh, clips from Gregory Meeks and also Hakeem Jeffries on this messaging, which goes to what you're saying in your article, which is important to a failing society. Let me pull up a couple of these. This first one is Meeks. Congressman, I was going to ask you about that. Let's just, let's just, what, we're just, I mean, I, yeah, your Uh, reaction to that. Did you... (laughs) Just your reaction, or if you have heard anything more about that, or if you were able to get this greater sense of the enormity of the horror in this briefing and what you've heard. It's just unbelievable. We've heard reports previously. Uh, I have been going back and forth. Um, We didn't have the confirmation. 
Uh, I'm hearing for the first time the confirmation while I was waiting and listening to the story. And I got to tell you, it just, I, I just, my soul is hurting. Um, it just shows you the evil of, uh, of Hamas uh, and its people that are carrying out these horrendous, um, unspeakable, uh, undefensible uh, killings. I just, it's just, and, and, and there's a lot that we've been focused on and I, uh, and agree that we have to, but it just, I just apologize because it really just got to me um, when it was confirmed. We have to, um, and I think that, you know, I said this inside the classified meeting, so it's not classified because I said it. Um, make sure that we are going after Hamas and its leaders wherever they may be. Wherever they may be. We cannot stand as human beings to have such non-human acts take place from a terrorist individuals. And so we've got to stand, and, and, and I think that's what came out of uh, this meeting uh, with uh, Israel and moving forward to make sure that Hamas no longer exists. We just can't be silent. We can't stand uh, by the wayside in that regards. Uh, the focus of this has to get rid of Hamas. Now, you got a black man, African-American, man of African descent, saying that the people needs to be wiped from the face of this earth. Inhuman acts. We as humans can't stand by and watch this. When on both sides, and, and Israel just bombed a refugee camp, bombed a hospital. These statements were made a couple of days ago. These incidents have been going on. But this was his response about inhuman acts on the side of Hamas. Now, let me read, that before you weigh in, uh, 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 Dr. Leon, let me play Jeffries. Mm-hmm. This is uh, Jeffries a couple of days ago. If, if you don't mind, if, if, if we can se- if we can separate uh, sorry, them simple. so Go that Go ahead. because they're because if you're gonna play if you're gonna play Jeffries talking about Haiti, no, or, or, no, he was oh, still, okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go okay. ahead. All right. Go ahead then. Also, what how Israel is handling this every day, and what's your view on that? I wouldn't say it's criticism. I'd say it's different, definitely different, different observations or perspectives about the best way forward. But all of it coming from, as far as I can tell, a place uh, of care and concern related to Israel's safety and its well-being. Everybody seems to recognize that Israel necessarily has to decisively defeat Hamas, period, full stop. Clearly, that's my perspective. Now, I think there are three things that need to occur uh, simultaneously to the greatest extent possible. One, Israel has to decisively defeat the terrorist organization Hamas and rid them from the region for the good of Israel, for the good of America, for the good of the free world, for the good of the democratic aspirations of the Palestinian people. Now, you got another uh, key black official, key as far as they're concerned, that's with the same messaging about eliminating a people from the face of this planet. 
personally, I don't think that the majority of black people are comfortable with this, Dr. Leon. But you got and voices. Exactly. But you got voices that, met, that represent thousands, mm-hmm. millions of black people. Because in a lot of these states, in Philadelphia here, you just had a proclamation by our black city council that we stand with Israel. They didn't talk to the people in the community. They went out there as representatives, supposedly of the community, and made these statements. So you got you got problems going on among black people that are being used by white governments, whether they are part of religious organizations, whether they're part of uh, 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 moral organizations like LGBTQ, whatever. That's putting these so-called leaders at odds with their community. But we have to do something about this. And I, before you leave tonight, I want you to spend some time uh, telling our people what we can do as rank and file blacks in these communities to rid ourselves of this type of leadership and develop, more importantly, develop conscious leadership to move our people forward. Because if this system is failing, as you say, Dr. Leon, and I agree, then we need to be prepared to move our children, our babies, our future generations forward and not be uh, reaching for the coattails of a European society. When, Go ahead, when, I, li- when, I, when I listen to the dominant American narrative on this issue, what is missing, first of all, is context. Because when you listen to Meeks and, and Jeffries and Linda Thomas Greenfield and, 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 and the whole lot of them, their whole point of analysis, uh, and uh, you know Joe Biden and, and, and Tony Blinken and blah, 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 their, their whole point of analysis starts on the 7th of October. Right. And I you know what Hamas did was horrible. There's no question about that. I I will never defend anybody taking the life of innocent civilians. Whether they're children, old women, I don't big big strong men, innocent civilians, I never con- condone the taking of innocent life. But if you're so upset and distraught and disgusted with what, with what Hamas did on the 7th of October as an act of liberation in response to 75 years of oppression, then why aren't you as angry at the oppressor who is doing the very same thing and has been doing it for 75 years. That's my question. That, and, and so Gregory Meeks, explain that to me. How can you be so horrified at what you saw in whatever briefing you went to? And I guess you've never been to a briefing about the actions of the settler colonial state on the Palestinians. Mm. I guess you just have not been hip to that. So that's what I need to understand. Where is the context for the conversation? 
And, folks, this is not anti-Semitic. This is not anti-Jewish. This is anti-Zionist. Mm-hmm. Those two things are not the same. Not all Zionists are Jews, and not all Jews are Zionists. That's a fact. There are a lot of American Jews that are disgusted at what the occupying government in Palestine is doing to the Palestinians. Not all Jews are in this game. They're not all not all of them are back in this play. But we're being led to believe that I wrote a piece a while ago called The Dangers of Binary Thinking. We've been led to believe that it's got to be one or the other, on or off, yes or no, good or bad. And look, to 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 Meek saying we have to destroy Hamas at all costs. Look, Hamas is not only a group of people, it is an ideology of liberation. And you don't kill an ideology with an army. You kill an ideology with a better ideology. <laughs> and, and again, so they're tripping, man. They're just flat out tripping. And, and again, you know, um, I, I think it's important for us to be clear, as as you described earlier, as we are now in this individualism, instead of being a collective black community, as we elect these individuals, because they do get elected by black people, that we have to be clear of what is our core values. And I'll probably be redundant in this, that we are sending people who are supporting this who are are who are in this room where these uh briefings are made and they are not having even if they as you use the term binary they don't even have a binary position because black people historical experience can identify with some of the issues specifically with the Palestinian people not the organizations not the state but what is happening to the people and how we are financing that through our tax um, contributions. Look, look, what's happening to the Palestinians is the same thing that ha- that the Afrikaners did to the, to the black South Africans. <laughs> it's the same thing that the United States did to the native Americans. Right. It, so Gaza, it, it and it, and it's the same thing that Hitler did to the to the Jews. Right. Gaza is a modern day Auschwitz. And now I know my saying that that's going to send the world aflame. But folks, it's a an 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 American Indian reservation is exactly the same thing. Exactly the same thing, serving the same purpose. That's that. In fact, that's more important than 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 trying trying to equate them. Because I, I know there are differences, folks. I know that, but I'm trying to make a point to you. They're serving the same purpose. Yes. And and in our present politics locally, 
we have to be careful because in me and Elliot, we talk about this. They're using the buzzwords, those same black politicians right. that same, right. are calling it public safety in the name of public safety. And what is the projected image? The gun violence within the black community. Let, let me read. Let me read two sentences to you from Dr. Ronald Walters, white nationalism, black interests, cons- mm-hmm. conservative public policy in the black community. Given a condition where one race is dominant in all political institutions, most policy actions appear to take on an objective quality where policymakers argue they are acting on the basis of national interests rather than racial ones. Right. So what he's saying is when we are not in control or when we don't have a critical uh, substantive influence on the output, whether it's a policy output or whether it's just a narrative, a story, that the story is going to be written, the policy is going to be structured in the best interest of the dominant culture that is controlling the government. And it'll be sold to you as being in the national interest. Hence, America has to support Israel. We have to support Israel. But at the expense of who? Mm. See, that's the question that doesn't get asked. <laughs> on whose on who's nickel and who are you torturing and in, in the process? Those questions aren't getting asked. So, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Finish your thought. I'm good. I'm good. good. Go ahead. We're going to take a brief break, and when we come back, you can join this conversation. we got some callers on the board. You can get involved, too, by dialing 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. We're in conversation with Arthur, columnist, uh, Sirius XM radio host, and political scientist, Dr. Wilma Leon. And, again, you can join the conversation by dialing 215-490-9832. 32, we'll be right back. Listening to Time for an Awakening. Time for an Awakening with host Brother Elliot and Brother Richard on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at Time for an Awakening at gmail.com.
All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years. Located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services. Representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies. Offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. I transformed a $24,000 a year odd job handyman service into a seven-figure high-end custom home builder and commercial contractor licensed and operating in three states. This is just one of the tangible transformations I've created for entrepreneurs in various industries around the country. If this isn't what you think of when you think of accounting and business consulting, then get ready to take down this invaluable information. Are you an entrepreneur suffering with a stagnating company? Have headache customer, staff, or vendors? Are you rebounding from a loss and need help achieving your unrealized potential? Or are you a startup who wants to get it right the first time and avoid the costly mistakes? Hi, my name is Nataki Kanban. If you're ready to go beyond advising and coaching and get results, then call 301-244-9072. Let New Business Solutions recommend and implement the best comprehensive sales, administrative, human resources, accounting, and operations to help you grow into your vision for yourself and your company. Again, from anywhere nationally, call 301-244-9072 or pull us up on your device right now and book your free consultation at www.newbusinesssolutions.com. And just mention you heard this special announcement on Time for an Awakening. RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter, serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. For 12 years, I and others like me had held out radiant promises of progress. I had preached to them about my dream. I had lectured to them about the not-too-distant day when they would have freedom all here now. I had urged them to have faith in America and in white society. Their hopes had soared. They were now booing me because they felt that we were unable to deliver on our promises. They were booing because we had urged them to have faith in people who had too often proved to be unfaithful. They were now hostile because they were watching the dream that they had so readily accepted turn into a frustrating nightmare. And so the collision course is set. The desegregation decisions and other type of legislation and Supreme Court decisions depends upon changing the white man's mind. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad teaches uh, us that our own mind has to be changed. We have to change our uh, mind about ourselves. In what way? Well, so he teaches us the importance of moral reformation, uh, a knowledge of self. 
And uh, for instance, the average so-called Negro, he doesn't think that he can uh, go into business and provide jobs for himself. And because of this, he thinks that he can only get a job from the white man, or he can only get clothes from the white man, or he can only get food from the white man. And we who follow the Honorable Elijah Muhammad are taught that uh, the same thing that the white man has done for himself and his kind, uh, if our people could uh, be uh, wrecked, if, they could, if we could be cured of our slave mentality that was uh, indoctrinated into us during slavery, we would realize that just as the white man can do these things for himself and his kind, we can get together in unity and harmony and do the same thing for ourselves and our kind. not wondering at all about them. What I'm concerned with the suffering and the pain of the masses of black people. No one wants to pay reparations. The Jews received over a hundred billion dollars in reparations and gets four billion annually. A Holocaust museum was set up for them on this soil for over two hundred million dollars and they get two twenty-one million annually just for operating expenses. But the Catholic Church, the Pope, the Jews, the Arabs, white people in general, no one wants to pay reparations to these, the sons and daughters of Africa. So I speak to them. I don't speak. I speak to them. I don't speak to the family of those two Jews. There are too, too many of us for me to speak to them. And one of the reasons why I'm always happy to come to this organization, because you're the only one, you're the only black organization, again, that understands to put race first. Race first. Race first. And I've had some white folks to tell me that I was a flaming militant, a radical, or whatever all of these names were that they called me. And I said that I am very pleased that you've called me a nationalist, because you could have said that I was a member of the NAACP of the Urban League. So I said, I'm very pleased of the names that you have given. But I said that because we put race first, something is wrong with us. But everybody else puts their own first because God blessed the child who has his own. And so I think that race first is very important. And though we meet in a different venue, we're not at the slave theater, we're not at the church, we're now at the Masonic Temple, it really does not matter where we are physically. It matters where we are in our minds. And wherever we meet, as long as we know that we're Africans and as long as we know that we're black people living here in America, we know exactly who we are. You notice you can put an Uncle Tom in any venue in the White House. You can even put him in his. He's going to still be a Tom. You can put him anywhere you want. Well, it's the same thing with us who are strong people. Wherever we are, we're going to be the people that we need to be. encourage let me just say this before our time winds up and that is I want the people in the audience to go back and look at the video clip from Roots it's entitled something like breaking Kunta Kinte that scene 
opened with Lauren Green uh, sitting in, who's the plantation master, sitting in his office, and then Fiddler comes in and says, um, uh, we don't want to be too hard on the runaway. Kunta Kente has just run away and been caught. And um, so the time comes for him to get his lashing. And if you look at this scene, it's about nine minutes. And study the scene. Study the role of everybody or bodies that are in this particular clip. And you will find that there is an equivalent role in the political life of our country today, whether it's on the national level or on the local level. There's the black man who actually does the whipping of Kunta Kinte. There's the white man who does the whipping. There's the black man who intervenes with the boss man and tries to save the life of Kunta Kinte. There's Kunta himself, who eventually is forced to admit that his name is Toby. And there's, a, there's dozens of bystanders, black, who are watching. This, this is a very powerful thing. And it's an analogy of exactly what is happening in our community today. Let's give those characters names in our community and call them what they are and then take care of business about that. Back to time for an awakening Sunday, uh, our Sunday night program. Uh, our guest this evening, author, columnist, radio host, and political scientist, Dr. Wilma Leon. Uh, the article that uh, Dr. Leon just uh, published, The Danger of Menstrual Diplomacy, is the topic this evening. Uh, the conversation is centered around that, and you can join the conversation by dialing 215 490 9832. That's two one five four nine zero ninety eight thirty two. Uh, Richard, we got some calls that have been waiting. Let me let me go to a few of these, and then I'll come back. Uh, let's go to two six seven two six seven. Yes, sir. Uh, peace and blessed to you. How are you, sir? I, I just yeah, I just had a, a, a comment, and then just one question. Sure. I just, yeah, um, I was I was listening to about Hamas. I think that should stay just like 9-11, some inside job, because how are, are, are you going to attack Israel all of a sudden that you've been using rocks for 75 years? Now all of a sudden Israel's attacking you and you don't have nothing to fire back with. What, what happened to the weapons that you attacked it with? That's, it, it was a, um, real quickly, it was a, uh, 
video on Instagram, the brother broke it down. He said the reason why they're attacking Hamas is because they wanted to um, widen up the canal so that the, the cargo ships can, can come both ways. See, when one cargo ship comes one way, they have to wait six hours to come. Say, say they're coming north, so south got to wait to the north to come six hours, then, the, you know, the other way around. So they, so they want to make the widening in Hamas so that the cargo ships can come through both ways at one time. But and then, then, it, then it said that the, the leaders of Israel had the nerve to say that their biggest problem is not Hamas, it's young black people of America. Now, to me, that's uh, anti-Semitic. So where's our apology at ADL? Um, well, to get into the question, God never said that he would send a politician to save an oppressed people. We've been catching hell uh, um, um, voting. Every, every year things get worse and worse for black people. Um, Minister Farrakhan said that uh, we, we should get a, our own political party and hold our vote until someone agrees and signs for our uh, demands and concerns. What do you think about that, our own political party? Uh, is that directed to me? Yeah, I think so, Dr. Neal. Well, there, there was an awful lot said there. Um, let me Let me just first... This is real. This is this is not some false flag operation. Um, what's going on right now in occupied Palestine is, is real. Um, in terms of Hamas's tactics, which I think was basically the the premise of the early part of the question, was oh about the rockets and whatnot. Um, they've been they've been doing a lot of work. Over the okay, one of the one of the things that amazed me was when the attack first occurred. There was all this discussion about, well, how did this happen? And Israel didn't know. How did this happen? The Mossad has this incredible intelligence network. How did all of this happen? And Hamas was never able to figure. The, I mean, uh, uh, the IDF was never never able to figure it out. Well. Maybe Hamas is smarter than you than you give them credit for. Let's start. Let's start with that. That that to assume that the IDF is the be all, know all, and end all. If if you fall into that sense of uh, arrogance, then finding the weakness in your game becomes that much easier, because you are playing your enemy cheap. And so that's part of what I think happened here. Um, don't be surprised if in a couple of days you start to see a change in the dynamic on the ground. Because Hamas did not do all the planning that they did for October 7th and not anticipate October 9th. So don't – I'm not giving you a prediction – I'm just saying pay close attention and not to Western media. Pay attention to Middle Eastern media mm -hmm. because 
what I have been told is going on, and there have been, there have been some retired American generals that have validated this, that the IDS get their hind parts kicked. That's why they've taken so long to go in. That's why they haven't gone in to the degree that they want to is because the, uh, there was a, and I've been trying to find the guy's name and I haven't been able to. There's a, a general that's saying they've been sending expeditionary forces in and as he said, getting all shot up. So I'll just leave it there. I, I, I don't remember the end of the question. I know he quoted or mentioned uh, the minister, but I, I did not. It had something to do with political parties. Yeah, about the starting black poli- and 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 that, that I think that kind of goes into the the, uh, the question I was, I was going to ask you in regards to solutions. But uh, I mean, you can address it now, or you can wait till um, you know. Uh, well, let me let me just say y- yes, a, a new political party would be a wonderful thing to have, but they are incredibly incredibly difficult to develop. They are incredibly expensive to start and they are incredibly difficult to, uh, to maintain. So yeah, that's a great idea, but now we've got to take the wonderful philosophical or ideological construct and turn that into a reality. And that's where the problem, that's where the problem, uh, problem lies. Uh, if, and then if you want to talk about that later, we can. Okay, good. Uh, let's go to, uh, three, 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 two, three, three, two. Hey, got the data. Oh, I want you oh, to oh, say, oh, my good brother. <laughs> man, I was doing fine until two seconds ago. <laughs> What's going on, man? How are you? Hey, 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 listen, man. You, you are. I must say, the most honest, the most truthful, and you always come with facts, basically, and data. You know, the thing is, I know at our other spot that we frequent on Saturdays, there's certain restrictions, but I'm glad you're here today because there are no restrictions. But really what I have wanted to say is the reality is that Gregory Meeks, Hakeem Jeffries, Claiborne, and all of them, all you have to do is do one thing. Look at their community and ask yourself this one question. Is their community better since they've been in office or worse? Now, I know Jeffries and I know Meeks because I've lived in Meeks' community and I know Jeffries through association. And I can honestly say as a New Yorker that neither one of them communities have improved since they have been in office based on who and what they are supposed to be in the Democratic Party and in Congress. Amen. And that's a fact. But nobody will ever address or deal with it. It's just like our favorite boy or brother, Roly Martin. I agree with what he does and the message that he puts forward is something that the black community 
need, but it's too centered on our only survival is us being in the Democratic Party because of this boogeymanism in regards to Trump. The reality is that we as a people are honestly too caught up in trying to be a part of whiteness. We, we, we don't have ourselves, and we've been there over five, six hundred years. We haven't put ourselves in a position like other ethnic groups have to be in a position if white folks say we have no more use for your black ass. To be able to feed ourselves, clothe ourselves, employ ourselves, basically to take care of ourselves, the truth be told. And nobody is addressing our issues from that perspective. I don't know if I've I've looked and I've studied a little bit on the um, Gary Convention. I don't know if that was the direction that they're trying to put us to move forward in. But the reality is, what happens if white folks say we no longer have use for black folks, because look at it, and let's be honest, every other ethnic group in this country is moving forward. We the only ones in all honesty, collectively, that's not moving forward. We don't manufacture nothing, we don't produce nothing. So if you don't manufacture or you don't produce nothing, then really in all honesty, what, what use are you? You don't have a relationship with from which you come from, the continent, like the Chinese Americans have with China, the Indian America, and all other ethnic groups basically have some sort of relationship with from which they come from. So, I mean, in all honesty, how are we moving forward as a people? The reality is your child's going to be all right. Other people like yourself, child, may be all right. But what's going to happen to everyday black folks? Hey, look look at what's going on in, in Palestine. You telling me that black people can't face that type of genocide here in this country when nobody likes us? Who's your, who's your ally in America? But we don't think about these things, and nobody talks about that to our people. The reality is we have no friends. And and until we start to really realize what's going on with us as a people in this country, we in deep doodle, deep, deep, deep. And, and the sad thing is those that are in the position to do something don't do anything. And I'll leave you with this. I always laugh when I hear your frat brothers talk about what y'all talk. I get a kick out of it. It's one of the funniest things in the world. I'd like to ask you this one question, Dr. Leon, because I've never asked you this on your your show, because uh-huh. I don't think that that's the place. With the fraternities and sorority, the divine nine, supposedly being the elite, in black America, educationally, economically, and so forth, 
what are they doing for the liberation of black people? Why is it that they haven't built the necessary institutions that we need to move forward? Why aren't they, even within their own groups, coming together collectively to build institutions and businesses? And I'll leave you with this. You may get a kick out of this because I feel like starting a little trouble tonight. Here it is, the Grand Supreme, Roly Poly Martin, uh, a.k.a. Let me ask you this. How many members of his fraternity and their family members you think have downloaded his Black Star Network? I have no clue. Think about that. I have, I have no clue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, 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 but when he talks about his numbers and all the dark, right? Mm-hmm. Explain to me, you haven't gotten to 100,000 members yet, I don't think. And you pushing the fraction and all that. I don't understand because this is how I look at it. Every divine non-member, based on the way he preaches that fraternity sorority thing, should download his network, should have their wife download the network, and other families download the network. And if they did, he would probably have a million people. And then he would really be able to leverage in the manner in which he would like to. And I support him. I want to see him call for a national boycott against Pepsi or something of that nature. But those are the things that we really need to be pushing instead of the Democratic Party, because the Democratic Party is not going to take you nowhere. And the sad thing, and I'll leave it on this note, the Democratic Party is more likely, because of the behavior of Joe Biden, going to lose to Trump next year based on the simple fact there's too many Muslims and there's too many other groups upset about the genocide that's going on in Palestine and the fact that because the media is what it is controlling the narrative. No, the narrative is people are upset and they're going to pay Biden back for this. As always, I call you Dr. Data because I know you're about to drop some data right now. Thanks for your contribution. Thank you, brother. Uh, Thank you, man. I, man, I love you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, well, I'm not. I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about my dear frat brother, uh, Roland Martin. He's he's doing his thing. He's doing it well. I do agree that it, it would be a wonderful thing if if supporting his effort were uh, part of the agenda of the Divine Nine. I think that would be a tremendous a tremendous uh, uh, financial push that 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 would sustain him and, and, and would serve, would serve all of us well. Um, and we don't do that. And unfortunately, a, a lot of that is by design. Uh, I'm a graduate of two HBCUs. I've got three degrees from two of them. And I come from a very long line of HBCU alum. And those institutions from which the divine nine stemmed, those institutions were not designed, I'll put it another way, were designed to teach us how to integrate and to, and, and, and to socialize. Exactly. Into, 
into mainstream America. So a, a lot of what we would hope these institutions would be supporting, they are, in fact, in, in many instances, doing the polar opposite. Yep. And, and, and the whole idea of the Commodore class, the whole idea of the misleadership class, unfortunately, those uh, descriptions are unfortunately too apropos for too many of us in these institutions. And I, I'll just, and let me, let me, let me offer two, uh, suggest two books. One uh, is The Choice, The Issue of Black Survival in America by Samuel Yet, Y-E-T-T-E, and Who Needs the Negro by mm-hmm. Sidney Wilhelm. Um, I think more of us need to read both of these books because what they both talk about is we are becoming, if we have not already become, obsolete people in the in the minds of the elite in this country. And, and, if, and before you go to the next caller, Elliot, the mm-hmm. one thing that I would disagree um, with the caller is that we do um, produce something, uh, as I see it. Um, and that is the cultural product, and and to your to your article, um, Dr. Leon, it seems those uh, that those who are producing the cultural product are also going to be used, um, especially when we talk about the continent and the growth of a African middle class oh. continent. They are going to be used. So, uh, but it's this individualism that may be the catalyst. Where before we go back, it, it was a collective um, strategy as it relates to the continent that would have had mutual benefit for all. I, I just I just want to make the point: we may not control the cultural product that we produce as a people, but when you look in the athletic realm, you look in the entertainment realm, um, we you know do produce, and it's global and and American um, foreign policy and geopolitics is utilizing it more now than ever. Uh, and to your point, if if more of us that that have those contracts, that the, the athletic contracts that you're talking about, tried to be uh, work in a more collective fashion, um, that you know that would be a tremendous indicator as well. But unfortunately. We get attacked at every turn. And, and this is something that, you know, a lot of folks here still don't understand are the oppressive and repressive forces that we, that we are constantly up against that want to undermine the efforts of, of, of collective operation, collective thinking, and, and collective action. Um, I think about Craig Hodges, the former point, uh, point guard for the Bulls and how he was trying to, to, to start a black shoe company. And, and he, wanted to, he wanted Jordan to work with him on developing a shoe. And, and you know, you read, the, read uh, Craig Hodges' book, and you can find out why all that stuff fell apart. But, and, and, but that's, just, that's just one example. Yeah. Um, but I, and w- I want to make another quick point. The caller made the point about we don't have any allies. Oh, but we do. Unfortunately, we don't understand how to develop alliances. Yes. <laughs> because because uh, months ago, Israel uh, attacked Gaza 
and they bombed this they bombed this uh, this building and it was supposed to be one one of the one of the leaders of Hamas and in the bombed out wreckage of his home if you looked off in the corner there was a there was a poster of George Floyd We don't, I've been to Iran twice and, and, and been very blessed to have some really down to earth conversations with some very, very, um, uh, progressive Iranians. And they are asking me, where are y'all? Mm-hmm. Why aren't you, why aren't you working with us? Why aren't you talking with us? Because we are being oppressed by the same forces. This is, this is what they're telling me. Or asking me, what's going on in the black community? You all don't communicate with us. Mm-hmm. So, we just talking about that, uh, uh, Dr. Leon, because the images so it's not, that, go ahead. It's not that we, it's not that we don't have allies. Mm-hmm. It's that we don't understand how to build alliances. Yeah. Well, listen, the, the framework is there, but the people that we have been sending as leadership, and and, and and a lot of our people. I mean, you know, you know the stats better than me because you're you're a professor of political science. A lot of our people are not vote. They don't vote. They they don't vote. Well, in many instances, they haven't been given much to vote for. Exactly. Right? And, exactly. And, and now, now I don't I don't advocate not voting, but but I I understand very clearly that. You have to be given something to vote for. If I could read two short statements on this Palestine issue. Go ahead. Yeah. And then I'll go to uh, call, uh, call okay. just because the line. Go ahead. Black, black people need to understand this. Uh, we, we revere former Anglican Archbishop Desmond Tutu. We revere Madiba, Nelson Mandela. We love them dearly. But do you know what they said about Palestine? This is what Tutu said about Palestine. I asked the crowd to chant with me. We are opposed to the injustice of the illegal occupation of Palestine. We are opposed to the indiscriminate killing in Gaza. We are opposed to the indignity meted out to Palestinians at checkpoints and roadblocks. We are opposed to the violence perpetrated by all parties, but we are not opposed to Jews. That's Desmond Tutu saying that. That's not me making it up. That's not my opinion. That's a guy who we love. One more. Shortly after his release, Nelson Mandela, 71 years old, made it clear he was committed to ending apartheid and establishing majority rule and rights for all in South Africa. When asked about his relationship with the PLO, during a town hall meeting that was broadcast on ABC, he reiterated his support for the group who then were still regarded as a terrorist organization by the U S and Israel quote, we identify with the PLO because just like ourselves, they are fighting for the right of self-determination. Arafat is a comrade in arms and we treat him as such. Our freedom is incomplete. Then in 1977, on the International Day of Solidarity with the Palestinians, he affirmed his support. We know too well that our freedom is incomplete without the freedom of the Palestinians. That's not me. That's Nelson Mandela. Mm. 
Let me go again. New York City. You got it, brother. Uh, greetings, brother. This is Brother Maurice. How you doing, Dr. Leon? Hey, what's happening, Maurice? How are you? I'm doing fine. I'm a black man screaming, my brother. You should remember me. <laughs> I, I remember you quite well. But we will talk, my brother. We will talk. Yeah, uh, I'm listening to you, brothers. And, and, and one of the things that I'm, I'm concerned about is um, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the narrative that's going on pertaining to politics right now and a lot of black people um, being upset with the Democratic Party. And I'm even watching some of these uh, Republicans start picking up on the narrative that black people are not going to go out and support uh, the, Demo- the Democrats. And I already see a rationale of where they're going to try to blame black, the black vote for why Democrats don't win. Not even speaking to the issue of, you know, we, we're walking around here with a basket full of promises and none of them fulfilled. And so I have a problem with that. Also, I mean, you know, on the, on the issue of um, one of the brothers asked me a question pertaining to this where he should stand with, with um, in terms of this Palestinian uh, in, in uh, Israel uh, situation. And I asked the, I asked him a question. I said, "Well, uh, how do you feel about what goes on in your neighborhood?" And he didn't understand what I meant. See, the, the brother said before that uh, Hakeem Jeffries and Meeks are not doing anything for for the neighborhood. Yes, they are. They just ain't building the neighborhood for you. Look at what's what's happening in those neighborhoods. What they represent? They're being gentrified. They're being changed. They're being and they, and and I can I can speak for example. I, I'm almost ready to apologize, to everybody, because. Jeffrey Jeffries is my congressman. I'm I'm in New York. Meeks is from New York. I know both of these guys, and you know, it, 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 I find it absolutely amazing that the consciousness that they have is so. Well, again, you you said minstrel politics. I keep thinking Trojan horse politics. Okay. We push the they push a gift into they bring it into the neighborhood, and everybody mm-hmm. jumps out the back of it. It's the same mm-hmm. thing that's happening here in New York in my neighborhood. They're dumping all of these people in my neighborhood. And they're giving them all of these resources, and, and we're over here fighting for the basic things. And this is the area that Jeffries represents. You're talking about, I sent, I sent some stuff out to people about what's going on in Chicago. I'm listening to the brothers and sisters out there fighting. And so the argument is, can, can we fight on more than one front? You asked that question, right? Okay, the United States said, can we fight on, you know, can, can they fight on both fronts? Can black people afford to fight on more than one front? When we're in, we're in war in America right now, in our own communities and stuff. I would ask that question. Is that a legitimate question to ask? While we're worrying about what's going on with the Palestinians, we got 60% of black people homeless in, 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 in New York City. We got black people failing in, in, in schools in Baltimore. We got black people homeless out in San Francisco. See, this is the point. I mean, I understand that we want to stand with people, but we ain't standing with our people here in America. That's true. We we got to get on point here. If we in a house burning and you in a, the whole house is on fire, you're going to get the people out of your apartment first before you help anybody else, aren't you? Oh, there's no question. You but, damn right but you these, will. But, but these things are mutually exclusive. 
Mm-hmm. So, so the the because the the base of the struggle is basically the same. Mm-hmm. And, Brother, and I cannot so because, I cannot sit and not be not be highly upset when I watch what I see going on in my neighborhood in Chicago, and say I'm not saying that what's not, what's happening with the Palestine is not is not important. I didn't say that. I'm saying say you that we got to get focused on what we're dealing with here. You can't There's help no nobody. Question. It, it's like, it's like, for example, I'll give you a perfect example. When you're on an airplane and the airplane is having some trouble, whatever, and the mask drop down, who do you, you got to put your mask on first before you can help anybody else. You got to breathe first. I, but we're not, we, people are suffocating in their neighborhoods is my point. I'm and you're absolutely you right. And you're absolutely right. I, there's nothing you said that I don't agree with. My, my, only, my only point to what you're saying is these things aren't mutually exclusive. We we can't we can walk and chew gum at the same time. We can fight on multiple fronts because the enemy is the same. Yes. So and, and, so and one of the things and, I and, say and, the, real quick. and the issues are the same. Right. And 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 and, 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 and brother Richard, and brother, I don't want to. I don't want you to get mad with me, but I asked the question at this at this conference, whatever, because I wanted to get a better understanding. You know, we we both agree about. Um, what's going on down in the South with the blue oval plant and, and, and the Ford plant being built and what black people need to do. But I, I but I asked a question. I said, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a connection here between Africa and that plant. What's the connection between blue oval plant and, and Africa or well, Congo, the cobalt and the copper and all of this stuff is coming out of Co- Congo and Zambia. And yet we're going to benefit off of that, but we don't have any political there's no pushback. Okay, I mean, again, I understand, right? We, we should, especially the, the, these resources coming from a black, the black continent. Black people should be able to benefit from them using it. But how should we feel about us taking working those jobs where we know that those minerals and stuff are becoming they're being exploited to get those minerals? So I mean, I, I don't know if that's a fair question. So I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that I'm gonna get off the phone. Let me and then listen. Hey, man, I just sent you a text message, and I hope you got it because I used the number I have. Hit me up, and we'll, we'll, we'll connect. Thanks for your contribution, sir. You know, uh, before I move to the next call, uh, Dr. Leon, you know, uh, I'm listening to uh, Brother Maurice just called and uh, the, uh, mm-hmm. the brother uh, Jay out of New York. And... The common denominator is, is Western society that's doing this, but they're using, and especially when you talk about our neighborhoods, the resources are not there, other people moving in, taking control of the businesses, it's no jobs. You know, sure, I can look at these people, but they this is what they've always done. They've always oppressed our people since we've been here. The new dynamic is using people that look like me and you to help them do this. This is what people are looking at. When you said that you went to Iran and people are saying, why aren't you, what are you saying? Why, why, you know, wondering what's the message from the black community. They look at CNN. They see CNN. They see these right. Western agencies and they see these black folks. And see, that's why they're doing it. That's why the United States government and Western society is doing this. Just like you said in your article, they're using these people to give the, the people in the world the impression that black people here are on board with this. And the majority of black exactly. people are not. Exactly. 
Exactly. And that also, if if there's a black face on it, it must it can't be racist. <laughs> right. Wow. That's the other that's the other part of it. Is oh no 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 this can't be ethnic cleansing. It was sold to me by a black man. Let me let me grab a couple of more while we still have you. Let's go to uh, oh boy. Let's go to Philadelphia here. Philadelphia, are you there? We lost that call. Let's go here to Missouri. Missouri, you're there. Yes, uh, fellas, I enjoy your show as always. I listen to it every Sunday. Uh, can you hear me? Yes, sir. Yeah, hear you loud and clear. Yeah. I, I, I appreciate the uh, the good doctor. He's a political scientist. I'm a political science major myself. Uh, I think one of the things that uh, we look at uh, Israel, and I'm sure he understands this too, that we were seeing um, uh, a falling up, an eternal division that we've never seen before within Israel was taking place prior to uh, Hamas invading mm-hmm. Israel. Mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. it was starting to come apart, and this has been happening for quite some time. And uh, Israel has been going through a quite what we really would call a real significant paradigm shift. Uh, there's the segmentation within Israel, more divided than ever before, dwindling support in America, because we realize America's support for Israel is largely religious-based, the Christian religious-based belief that we are to protect Israel. As mm-hmm. we become less Christian-focused and less religious-focused, some of those binds are beginning to fall off, and you're seeing people speak out against Israel more than ever before. And I think the other thing that you're seeing is a worldwide ostracization of the Jews. Uh, prior to World War II, we're seeing some of that recreated, because what Israel has essentially done is Israel has uh, done what uh, no group has been able to do for quite some time. The hated has become the hater. Uh, Israel... Uh, the the palate, the Hamas uh, was hated, and Israel response has made them the more hated. Because now, uh, if I kill one of your children, that doesn't give you the right to kill a whole village. And America is seeing it straight out front. I think the post uh, analysis of what's going to happen when this is over, I think you will see in Israel that it's, it's more segmented and more isolated than ever before with dwindling or divided support in America and an Israel that will have to reach out more than ever before to gain friends. Uh, so I just want to say that. I just want to say one other thing, too, to the brother that brought up the Divine Nine. I'm a member of the Divine Nine, Kappa Alpha Psi. And, and this, is, this, is, this is something that brothers really have to understand. In Georgia, when Biden was struck with trying to win Georgia, they was trying to win Georgia, the Biden administration called the Divine Nine, the president of Divine Nine. They got together at 2 o'clock at night. All the Divine Nines sent out information to their membership, and the Biden administration gave them some funding to push it. The Divine Nine pushed a vote in Georgia to the degree that actually got Biden over the mark to win Georgia. After that, Warnock, Raphael Warnock, who is a member of Alpha Phi Alpha, called on the Divine Nine also and said, can you help me in winning this election in Georgia? The Divine Nine once again got together, pushed their membership, and this is not public knowledge because the memberships knew about it, pushed the membership, the membership got together, 
and push Warnock over the hump to become the senator. The Divine Nine, prior to this, was just an organization that was simply just out there. They knew about us. In the White House now, they have a room for the presidents of the Divine Nine. When they come to Washington, they have a special room where they can sit. And the Biden administration sent them a message saying, we would not have won Georgia had it not been for the Divine Nine. Warnock says, if it had not been for the Divine Nine, I would not have won that particular vote. It is an organization that sometimes doesn't do a very good job of promoting itself outside of the Institute, outside of the Divine Nine, but it has a tremendous impact, especially in a city like Atlanta, where the Divine Nine has a very big stronghold. So I just wanted, I just wanted to mention so, that. So, women, women, women. So, with all of that, what's the point? Yeah, what, what, what did that do for the, the masses is, of black people? The point. What's the point? The point. The point is, is this: is that there is a Divine Nine that is actually doing significant work out in the community. Really pushing things. Wait, wait, wait. So using so wait a minute, wait a minute. So using your example of getting Joe Biden elected, in, in, in what's that doing for the brother in Harlem? What's that doing for what, what's that got to do with the price of pork chops? How does that how does that impact my table and my ability to put food on the table? I, I think the two ways. I think two ways that, that you have to put the table, the food on the table first. I think the brother in New York, the brother in St. Louis, the brother in Philadelphia, I think what we have, when we look at the landscape, we have multiple agendas out there. No one on the national level has been able to come to any political organization with a uniform message. And, and Elliot and those guys have been trying to do it for years to saying, hey, why don't we come with one uniform message, let's say, on reparation? There's 30 messages out there. Let me put this another way. Let me put this another way. With the power that the Divine Nine were able to exert and demonstrate, what did they leverage with it? What did they get for? Okay, they got a room in the White House. Oh, that's great. Wow. They got... They got a thank you from Joe Biden. That's great. Would they, what did they, uh, Mr. President, uh, or, or, or uh, former vi- uh, Vice President, you want our organization to do what? Okay. Well, here's what we are going to need from you to commit to right now. But, but you, and, you, and we are going to send out, and we are going to send out to our membership what you've asked us, what we have demanded, and what – now, without that, sir, uh, go call somebody else. Okay, so what you have now, and this is what you – you cannot make any move until you have a seat at the table. The Divine Nine earned a seat at the table to make recommendations. For what? For what we uh, have uh, is, what recommendations me, have they made? No, let me, let me finish, brother. Let me finish. Well, what, what, what recommendations well, look, have they made? No, let me, fin- let me answer your question. Let me answer your question. Because when you say what recommendations have been made, the question becomes, what recommendation is needed? You do not have a uniform message coming up from any particular a, organization well, wait a in the black community. You said, finish, you said, wait a minute, I got your point. You no, said, you're not letting me finish, though. But, man, you, you talked for like point. seven damn minutes. I got right, go the ahead. point. I, I will listen to you. Go ahead. I got the point. And I'm, and I'm an alpha. So, I, you know, I understand what you're saying. But where's the beef? And Joe Biden is is running for re-election. How has anything that you've articulated been leveraged 
and is tangible for us now. And here's another question. Why was the phone call secret? And why has it been kept secret? Why haven't the divine, the, 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 the presidents of the, of the fraternities and sororities come out and said, these are real grassroots politics, boys and girls. This is what we were able to do. Here's what, where is all of that? You want me to answer it? Uh, well, go uh, ahead, man. Go ahead. Okay. Man. I don't a, know what the alphas got, but the capitalists got the message of what took place. Yeah, but wait, 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 listen, before I move on, I just want to say this. You know, this type of stuff that you're saying, this is this it's doesn't worthless. translate to the black community. Listen, you, you said that they helped let Warnock get elected. Do you know that Warnock said when he went to that, the Jewish organization down there that he's going to be the best Jewish senator in the U.S. Senate for them? Do you realize he said that? I didn't realize he said that. Well, you don't have a problem with that? You're talking about the divine not helping him get elected. You don't have a problem with that? Look at his damn okay. community. Look at the church where, where he done took over King's Church, and it's a homeless shelter right across the street. What the hell are you? Come on, man. Come on. You got, you got to come a little better than that. So if he if we didn't back Warnock, who else are we going to back? I don't want to hear no. Would you, the, no. We're See, back that's, you. That's, the, that's the danger of binary thinking. What have you gotten Damn. for your backing? The the what you have now is you have a seat in the table. This is oh, the problem come on, that I have come with, on. with the come on. The this table. is the problem I have with the narrative. The table is falling down. The This is the problem that I have with the narrative that you brothers bring up. You bring up an aspect of what is good for the black community, but you can never give me an aspect of a uniform message or a regional message or whatever or what needs to be done. We hear the message. Wait a minute. Black you hear it every week. Black needs to be taken care of. But you so, now okay. you've got the so when I so when I tell you, so when I tell you that it's raining outside, so when I when I tell you when I tell you that it's raining outside, I also have to tell you to get an umbrella. I I have I have to tell you to put a hood on your head so your head won't get wet. I got to tell you everything. It's not enough for me to tell you it's raining so that you then can use the tools at your disposal to impact your neighborhood. I've got to tell you how to do it as well. You know, as well as I do as a political scientist, you need to bring your message forward. And you haven't brought them, you're not bringing a message forward. This is, is, if I may interject, and and I know we have to move on, but this, this is one thing in relationship to the question about um, the one of the per, one of the callers asked in relationship to political party, um, no, or Elliot raised in relationship to bringing up um, the convention in '72, is not necessary. And I think that's what I hear you raising, um, Dr. Leon. It's not necessary for us to constantly reinforce that we have an agenda. It's just for those interest groups or organizations to demonstrate that they know. What's our agenda, not what's their agenda, not what they can do, but what's our agenda? Because we haven't been able to since 72. And, and, and in this conversation, we outlined, we, we outlined that we got to individualism starting from Reagan. We outlined that we move our geopolitics have moved from being domestic and global, which 
the agenda in 72. It was domestic and global and in relationship to its world, had a worldview. No, we don't have that. But if these interest groups or these class groups are truly representing the black black people, not communities, but black people, they should have an agenda item, regardless if they get called or not, that is reflective of the black community. No, and, and uh, that's the that's. I, I mean, I hear this, and I'm just like, you know, that, which puzzles me because if we are at the realm with internally that we operate as individuals, that's not a problem. If each individual is operating from a collective agenda item so that when we get called, we may never get called. We may be confused. We may not have the information, but when we get called, we'll already be aware of the move that we are supposed to make that represents all of us more than just representing um, what you laid out, um, Dr. Leon, um, which um, in, in what came out for, you know, this whole thing of the interest of the nation instead of the interest of the people. But that's, and, that's, that's my thought. And, and, and let me add one more thing before we move on to all of that. After the Divine Nine did what they did and supported Biden and so on and so forth, Biden had to be forced to have a meeting a conference call with the black organizations that had supported his campaign. Mm-hmm. He had to be basically uh, chastised and embarrassed into having a meeting that took place like 10 days after he was sworn in. And then on the call, he was insulting to the people on the call. <laughs> Seat at the table. Yeah. Let's go to let's go to two one two one two one five. You there? Yes, Sam. Good evening, brother Elliot. Yes, sir. Good evening. Good evening, brother Richard. Good evening, my dear brother, Doctor Leon. How you doing, my brother? I'm hanging. I'm hanging. <laughs> yes, sir. I'll praise be to Allah. You know, Doctor Leon, I don't know where to begin, man. There's so much good information from, from, from yourself and the, and the various callers. I, I'll just try to tie everything up in one bundle, as they say. Uh, you know, I had to, you know, when the brother was talking about the divine nine, you know, like Brother Elliot had correctly said when he was talking about how he got Warnock elected and, and how did Warnock, uh, you know, show his thanks by getting up there with black people supporting his behind. He gets up there and says, say, so say, well, I'm going to try to do my best for my people down here in Georgia, especially in the city of Atlanta, you know, but he's got a lot of black folks. He got right up there and said, I'm going to be the best Jewish senator for, for the state of Israel. I'm going to say myself, I, I didn't know you was running to be the senator to Tel Aviv or Jerusalem. If that was the case, you should have run over to Israel and ran for office over there. I mean, how insulting is that, Dr. Leon, that you get elected by black folk? And see, I take that personal, Dr. Leon, because a good friend of mine who has to work with at the hospital over in Jersey, she moved to Georgia with her daughter in Stone Mountain, Georgia. And uh, she and she and when Warnock ran for office against Walker, she she did like a lot of black folks do at these churches. She she had fundraisers. They they cooked chicken dinners, you know, fish dinners to raise money for that Negro. And how he thanked black people by saying he's gonna be the best Jewish senator for Israel. I mean, come on, man. You know, I mean, we, we see that's the kind of stuff that we can't just keep, can't keep tolerating, Doctor Leon. You know, that kind of insult, whether it's coming from him. Uh, uh, Meeks, uh, Jeffries, any of them Negroes. I mean, enough is enough of these guys, man. Enough is enough. But you know, I'm gonna tie, like I said, I'm gonna tie everything together. When I before, you know, I got on tonight, 
I was watching CNN and Bubby J, who called earlier, you know, Biden definitely may be in trouble because, like I said, on, on CNN tonight, they were saying how he's trailing right now, Dr. Lee, as we speak, in key swing states. He's trailing Trump right now. And everything he's in serious is, trouble. In serious trouble. And Brother Elliott first break. Yeah, and, and exactly. And Brother Elliott first raised that alarm early a, lot, a while ago. They, 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 it's a good chance that he could lose because you heard you had a group of young black men and women of voting age at Virginia State, you know, HBCU, Dr. Leon, saying clearly they're not going to be co-esting the voting for Biden because they're getting tired of people like Biden and these white Democrats and even black ones giving black people their behind a kiss. You know, you, you like Markham said, you put them first. They put you last. And they said, we ain't, we ain't scared of no Trump and DeSantis. That stuff is not going to scare us. And then, of course, Dr. Leon, you're a person that's in, in, in media what, what, what more aware than myself. You've seen the, the Muslim community in Dearborn, Michigan. That's our dear sister, Rashida Tlaib, who's Palestinian-American. She says, we, we ain't going to forget this, Biden. You know, you're over there, over there killing my people, and you're sitting back there giving a wink and a nod to that thug, Netanyahu, and you think we're going to vote for you next November? So you got that dynamic at play, Dr. Leon. You got the Muslim community out there, and you got the black community. So Biden, so Biden needs all the votes he can get. So it's a good chance if this thing stay as it is, he's going to lose. And of course, when he does, if he does lose, of course, black people will get blamed for it. not his, not because he's been a sorry ass president. That's not going to be the issue. It will be blamed for it, as we always are. We always become a scapegoat. Because you know, Dr. Leon, let me say this. I'm a 62-year-old black man. I've been going through this stuff, and, I, and I'm like you, Dr. Leon, I would never tell people not to vote because voting is a strategy. It's not the end all to everything, but I do say we should vote for election. Give us something to vote for. I've been going through this since 19, I guess 1980, whatever, when I first became a voter age. And, 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 I, and we always have to be done with this boogeyman stuff. Well, you know, if you don't get out there and vote, you're going to get Reagan and Bush. Or you're gonna get, you're gonna, if you don't get out there and vote, you're going to get Trump. You know, Dr. Lee, these are tough. They are horrible people. Nobody denies they Reagan, Bush, Trump, they're a bunch of racist devils. They're horrible people. But and so is Biden by the same token. But my point is that we always got to get caught up in this boogeyman stuff. That if you don't get out there and vote, you, you know, the Reagan, God forbid, if Reagan getting there, he, you know, that's the end of black people. If Trump getting there, we survived eight years of Reagan. We have survived eight years of Bush, the first, the, the second Bush, four years of his, his racist father. We survived four years of Trump, and if it's Trump or the Sanchez getting there next year, we can survive them when we catch hell. Hell, we catch hell when, when, when Biden and Clinton in there. So we can so my point is that why wouldn't both these people, Dr. Leon, it's not like we're going to disappear. We can survive these people, man. So that scared tactics is that if you don't get out there and vote, you're going to get Trump or, or, or DeSantis. If that's, what the, if that's how the ball rolls out, uh, Dr. Leon, so be it. You know what I mean? So be it. We can deal with that, brother. We're we're strong people. We can survive into them devils. It ain't gonna ain't gonna make us disappear off the face of the earth, you know. And uh, and and lastly, Dr. Lee, I was I was watching the Palestinian sister, and it, and it touched me because she was saying just what she was saying. She was saying, I, as a as a Palestinian Muslim woman, she said, I don't like necessarily what Hamas did, you know, killing innocent people necessarily. But she says. It didn't start there. She said, but nobody in the media, she was, she was talking to the white guy on, on CNN tonight. She said, but nobody talks about the context of it. It's 1948, the 75 years. She said, how about all the killings of my people over the years? Now, one uh, outcry from the United States at all when they've been killing my people for years. And as you know, Dr. Leon, you person in the media, they've been killing Palestinian journalists. I remember the Palestinian sister back here, I think it was last yeah. year. You know, she had the jacket on. Now, you know damn well, you know, a press person from a Kennedy combatant. She had a clearly a pre- beautiful Palestinian. So she had the jacket on. That's Sharina uh, Akhle. 
They, exactly. They shot her down and, like a dog, and she hasn't been the first. She, she ain't been the first one they have shot down and said they thought there was an enemy combatant. They they do this stuff all the time. Like you said, the, the, the white settler, Israel settlers going in there killing innocent Palestinian men, men and women whenever they feel like it and stuff. You know, just, just doing all kinds of rotten stuff. Not one outcry from the United States. And don't forget, uh, uh, Dr. Lee, I remember the white girl from the United States that came over there three years ago. She came yes, from was. a wealthy family, and, they, and, and yeah. the white Israeli soldier crushed her with the bulldozer. I mean, they yeah. do all kinds of rotten, low-down stuff, but it's never put out in the media. And this is what the Palestinian sister was saying on TV. She said, you know, she said killing my people, like you said, you can't, an army can't kill an ideology. Killing, you can kill all the people of Hamas, and it will be a Hamas going to pop up tomorrow if you don't change the conditions of those people over there. Like she said, give my people their dignity. And it brought tears to my eyes, and that's what she kept emphasizing, Dr. Leon. She said, give my people their dignity. And, stuff. She, and, that's, and that's, I know it seems like a, a, a minuscule world for some people, but she said, give us our dignity so we can be, have our dignity and have pride of the people our homeland. And, they, and, and that's the thing. That will solve everything. But to sit there and think you're going to keep on killing people and don't think these people that survive is not going to rise up to be the future of masses. They're going to be the future of Hezbollah. I mean, come on, man. I mean, you know, and like you said, Dalian, the same stuff that was done in South Africa is done by the white man, did to our people in America, did to the Native Americans. I mean, it's the same tactics has been done over and over again. The white man used the same playbook. And I lastly say this, Dalian, because I, I I'll get off. But when you said about allies, I'm so glad you raised that. When you said about the the the, 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 the Hamas leader that was killed or may have been killed mm-hmm. in the airstrike, you said he had a picture of George Floyd in his basement, right? This is mm-hmm. why I emphasize on Brother Oshie's show, who does his, does a show on this on this state on this state on the Thompson Wickham Station. I talked to Oshie back, I think it was on Wednesday, and I told Brother Oshie because I can only I can only talk about my life, my personal experiences. I went to Islamic fundraising dinner down in Bethesda, Maryland, back in 2017. I met a brother, an imam, he's Palestinian-American. We became good friends. He, he came all the way from, and that's why you say, like you said, we have our lives. Sometimes we don't realize, or sometimes, like you said, Dr. Leon, we don't know how to you know, make those alliances mm-hmm. form. Well, this brother came all the way from Bethesda, Maryland, to Baltimore, and guess what he did? He came to Baltimore. He led a, a rally in support of Freddie Gray's family. The brother was murdered by the police in Baltimore. And he said, the why he did it, he said, because as a Palestinian man, he said, I have seen this time, this done time and time again, the Palestinian boys by the IDF over there in Israel. Because as you know, Dr. Leon, many of these police officers go to Israel for training. That's where they learn all these right. joke holes right. and, and all this kind mm-hmm. of stuff. He said, he said, I've seen many Palestinian boys murdered at, by, the, by, the, by the same way that Freddie Gray and others have been killed. He says, so as, a, as a Palestinian, I, have, I feel a special kinship with my black brothers and sisters. I've seen it done to them. He says, so I had to come, he said, I felt compelled to come here to Boston. Baltimore that had his rally for Freddie Gray because too often it's done to my people in Palestine. So your point is definitely well taken. We have our lives. Sometimes we not, may not realize it, but we do. And, and lastly, Dr. Leon, it's, I know a Palestinian sister who's one of the biggest supporters, outspoken supporter of Mumbai Abu Jamal. She has caught okay. hell. So she, she, she speaks fully for Mumbai Abu Jamal. So I always reject that notion that we don't have, we have friends and we have allies. It's just sometimes we might not realize it. And like, or like you say, Dr. Leon, we may not know how to form those alliances, but they are definitely there. They they like it's like a seed. They dare to be grown and, 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 and fertilized, but sometimes we have to know how to get the right fertilizer, for lack of a better word. 
You know, and that's, 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 that's the way that's what I look at. Well, Dr. Young, thank you, Miss Honor, talking to you, man. I, I, I keep telling Brother James, who called you, who's a good friend of mine, I keep telling Brother, I'm a, for, for, for my quasi present this year, I'm going to get serious radio so I can become a, a, a listen to your show because he let me listen to you this past Saturday and everything because uh, I'm oh. listening so much by not having serious radio. So I'm going to definitely get it this December when for quasi is my gift so I can become a fan and a listener to your show on serious radio. I greatly appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, You're my welcome. brother. Thank you. You're welcome. But I would put my mute and I listen to the best of the show. Thanks for your contribution. You're welcome. Let's go to Texas. McKinley. McKinley, Texas. Uh, hello. How are you all doing today? Yes, sir. Great show, and I hope that I am uh, will be able to um, go out and, and get it on the podcast. i like to listen from McKinley. The guy who called in earlier, uh, referring to the Divine Nine, didn't mm-hmm. he say that he was out of St. Louis? Uh, I don't know. No, it was Missouri. I don't know whether it was St. Louis, but he called from Missouri. Oh, yeah, yeah, he, he did call from Missouri, yes. Okay, well, if he's from St. Louis, you know, and he said that there was an, an agenda basically about the issues in which they should be fighting, or even if he's not, even if he's out of Kansas City, he's still in the Missouri still in the state. Well, for one, if you look at St. Louis, the population in in the 50s was over 800,000 people in the city of St. Louis. Now it is barely, if it's over 300,000 people, you know, so you've had mass, mass exodus out of that, out of that city. Uh, I don't know if you all have seen this or not, but there's a documentary called The Pruitt-Igo Myth uh, by uh, Sylvester Brown that I would encourage you all to look at. So if he's talking about what's to be done, where is the outcry or what is the Divine Nine doing about the job creation and the, the stoppage of people leaving, exiting out the city of St. Louis? What about the Mike Brown? What about the uh, uh, Yesatella? You know, uh, and people have been doing things. I know in St. Louis, Ikeba Ruti and the OBS Organization for Black Studies, they had to get out and fight. This has been years ago, before Biden, but they had to get out and fight for highway contracts, uh, I-70, interstate that runs between St. Louis and Kansas City. They had to shut that down for uh, equal uh, equal hire for people in the area. So I don't know what in the world he's talking about. You know, it. he's saying that there needs to be some type of black agenda or whatever. Well, as leaders, some of the people can does not have the organization skills that that organization has. If they were able to mobilize and pull together those different organizations to jump to support Joe Biden and 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 and, and uh, uh, Warner and put them over the top, why can't they get together, come together? They know the issues that's within the black community and what they suffer: gun violence, uh, single parent households because there's no jobs. Or, opportunities for young black males and so forth. 
I, I, I don't know. I don't know what. I, I don't know where he was coming from, but and I don't think that. But that's that's the problem. We have these people. It's almost. I'll say this, and I I get off. It's almost like their organization is like the shoe shine boy that you used to have that was in the hall, but then they give him an all in, and the rich people come and he shine they he shine their shoes and they paint. They upgraded and moved him into his private space, and so he's got a fancy new office. And then they just come into the fancy new office, and he shine their shoes in there. So you just get an upgrade from the hallway to an office space. With that's doing the a same great job. analogy. That's that's great. <laughs> that's great. That's great. And then Thank he you. wants to claim about how well they, how well we're doing. Because he's got a because he's because he's got a a bench, not a stool. And, I like and, and I'll, I like I'll add one like one last thing too. Now I'm from East St. Louis, actually a little town called Centerville, right outside of East St. Louis. And you always hear about East St. Louis and how bad it was. You know, I'm 70 years old, and when I was young, like in the 50s, East St. Louis was known as a city. If you couldn't make it there, you couldn't make it anywhere. Now East St. Louis looks like. A war zone looks like someone has come through and literally dropped bombs on there. And you don't have an agenda. You can't look at that as an organization and say, wait a minute, we need to do something about this condition. And I, I'll leave with that. <laughs> Thank you for your contribution, well sir. Said. Well said. Let's go to 662. 662. Black Power. Yes, sir. How you doing, uh, Brother Elliot, Brother Richard, Dr. Leon? How y'all doing on this fine evening? And doing great. Doing well. Doing great. Uh, my name is Malik Haynes. I'm state commander for the Elmer Geronimo Pratt Gun Club, Mississippi chapter, uh, member of the Black Liberation Movement, and Mississippi on the Move, headed by my brother, Commander Patrick Lumumba. Um uh, I want to speak real quick to the uh, seat at the table uh, hmm. remark that the brother made because we're having a similar situation down here in Mississippi right now with the governor's race, and it's a it's been a real controversial uh, race because you have Tate Reeves who has been involved in uh, a state scandal with Brett Favre and uh, the welfare scandal. And then you have this new white boy on the scene, um, Brandon Presley, who happens to be the cousin of Elvis Presley. And he's the Democratic uh, candidate for a governor running against Tate Reeves. And you have a lot of uh, our people, uh, known black organizations and entities that are supporting Brandon Presley. Uh, as you was talking about, um, uh, Dr. Leon, when it came to Joe Biden, and the brother was talking about the the, the divine nine uh, pushing Joe Biden over in in Georgia, but where was the leverage? And see, that's what that's the argument that we're making here in Mississippi. Uh, me and brother Patrick Lumumba, 
and some others about supporting Brandon Presley. What is his, what does his resume look like for black people? No, nobody knows what, you know, he just came from out of nowhere. So what, what do we have to gain for Brandon Presley winning the governor's seat here in Mississippi, just a seat at the table. And that's what we are. We're going back and forth with our people about just having a seat at the table, you know, not, not using our, our power, not leveraging power at that table. Or even to just be happy, being happy with having a seat at the table. Another thing I want to speak to, I heard Dr. Leon said that uh, he was speaking to some Iranians about, you know, them not communicating. Why y'all don't communicate with us? And um, no, no, they were asking. That, they were asking me that question. I wasn't yeah, why, asking why them. Do, they were asking me. Okay, why why we don't communicate with them? Right. And and to have. Dr. Clark said we, we, didn't, we didn't have any allies. He said black people didn't have any allies. And I thought about that in depth after you said you, you had spoken with some Iranians. And most allies have an a, a economic relationship to some degree, whether mm-hmm. it's uh, land or capital. And one thing that we haven't established here in this country is an economic power base to be able to interact and trade not only nationally, but internationally, especially with our people back in Africa. And that's one of the things we're working on here in the state of Mississippi. Mississippi has now become ground zero for the fight for liberation and freedom for our people. So we're we're trying to construct a power base here in Mississippi where we could uh, interact and trade with uh, some of our people across the globe. So, I just want to bring that to light. Most most uh, relationships, when it comes to allies across this 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 globe, has to do with some kind of economic uh, relationship. And I yield. Thanks for your Good contribution, point. brother. Good point. You know, uh, uh, Richard, I want you to weigh in on this also. Um, a couple of months ago. Uh, uh, we went down to uh, Mississippi, uh, Dr. Dr. Leon, a Mississippi on the move, and uh, the Montreal Black Gun Club put on a uh, Black Power Conference. And several community leaders or leaders from different areas in Mississippi were present. And they're organizing because mm-hmm. that dynamic in Mississippi, and you know, uh, you, you probably know it better than me. It's majority black, especially those those areas outside. Even Jackson is still predominantly black, where black people can take control of the politics in those communities. But uh, you know that they, they hadn't. Uh, sometimes it was apathy. Sometimes the people hadn't been voting, or they were voting for other people that don't represent them. But these men are down there organizing, and they're doing a good job. They're doing a fantastic job. Uh, they've taken over some of the legacy organizations. They've uh, <laughs> they've used a strategy to uh, to get young people to join, and then they voted that that old guard out. So that strategy that they're using is an effective strategy, and it can be used in metropolitan areas where we are the majority population. What do you think about that strategy, uh, Doctor Leon, as a political scientist? 
I think that that's a, that's a phenomenal strategy. And one of the things that I think people don't really understand and appreciate is the, the, the depths of, of the vestiges of, uh, of the oppression that we've been subjected to and how conditioned many of us have become have become and how hard it is to to overcome the impact that that has on your psyche i was down in jackson uh, a number of years ago and there was this really nice restaurant and they had a a patio and a and a bar and so, so i'm sitting out on the patio they got a, they got some music playing and so the guy that owned it is a brother and so I'm talking to him, and I'm surprised that there aren't more of us on this Friday night uh, frequenting his establishment. And he told me, he says, when I was a kid growing up in Jackson, this place was owned by white people. And we in the black community were not allowed at this particular spot. Mm-hmm. He said, and, and he used to work there as a dishwasher. And he said, when I was a kid working here as a dishwasher and we were not able to eat here, I vowed one day that I would come back and I would buy this place. He bought it. But he said, people in the community are so conditioned to not being able to go there that they don't frequent his establishment. I make that point to show the depths to which this conditioning is impacting us and it's the type of organizing that you're talking about in Mississippi that has to take place, and it, it grows based on success, small successes. Success breeds success. And so it has to start at the grassroots level. It has to build, and all of a sudden you look up and say, wow, where did all this come from? It came from years and years and years and years of keeping your shoulder to the wheel, your nose to the grindstone, and 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 ensuring that these issues get addressed. And I and I like to raise that what comes up in this conversation and, and just that it, that instance of Mississippi and Georgia, two different types of organizational formation out of the black community. One being grassroots and saying this is the tactical approach. We're going to look at these legacy organizations, take them over, question um, these um, who who is running for these offices and what's going to be leveraged. And then in another, uh, a legacy organization who's saying, being asked to come out to get me over the hump and, and the, the request, and, and it didn't come across as a request, but just that what comes out of it is the metaphor of moving from, you know, shining, shining on, mm-hmm. on the outside to just being able to have, be able to do the shining on the inside. <laughs> I think that we have to be able to look at these are two different class structures, two different formations um, that are operating in our community and, th- and that they're real. And taking in, in mind what you said, um, Dr. Leon, the conditioning, because in both The people have to be, one, the people have to be conditioned to recognize that these legacy organizations can be taken over, and we can do that, and it's power in doing that. And the other, that these organizations do have power, but you have to demand what is it that you want for the requests 
of your input. And let me let me quickly let me quickly just go back to I want to, the point about uh, the divine nine in Atlanta, and I, I got to reiterate the question: When the Biden administration knew that they needed horsepower from the black community to put him over the top, why was the call secret? Right. That's <clears throat> what. Why? And I tie that to Hillary Clinton losing. And blaming black people for not turning out. <laughs> exactly. And she didn't campaign in Detroit. She didn't go to Michigan. Mm-hmm. She didn't. She did not come and ask us for our vote. She did not. She did not campaign and tell us how she was going to improve our everyday lives as African Americans if we put her in office. And then she rolls out Barack Obama the very last day or two in Pennsylvania. She did not go to the black community and ask us for our vote. But then her campaign wants to blame us because she lost. She didn't lose because we didn't turn out for her. She lost because she was a horrible candidate and ran a terrible campaign. That's why she lost. seat at the table. <laughs> well, no, we, we have to say the brother did let it, you know, nobody knew, but he here on time for awakening. Uh, Dr. Lee, uh, he did, he did uh, give up the, he did give up the marbles. You know what? <laughs> With the marbles in the bag, we got to take that because we would, I'm, until I heard it, I didn't, I didn't even know that happened. I don't know if you knew that happened. Hell, I don't no. Know no, I didn't know. I didn't know. No, I wasn't I didn't know. Twice now, twice. So, um, and and as uh, the other brother or uh, caller said, obviously, even other black media outlets didn't know, or if they knew, they didn't say anything. Right. So, and they still and they still won't say anything. <laughs> so, I mean, that's this, why you ain't got nothing. <laughs> this, this is this is the dilemmas that we're looking for. And we have to continuously um, have this kind of conversation. And your article speaks to what we get, who, what we get if we don't do this. Because these effective entertainment devices are being used effectively by somebody else. We continue to get confused. Mm. And we continue to come up with, as Fred Hampton said, answers that don't answer explanations that don't explain and conclusions that don't conclude. Wow. 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 Dr. Leon, listen, it was good having you with us. I ain't going to wait eight years to call you back. Uh, <laughs> listen, uh, before you go, uh, because yeah. I, I know it, it, shoot, uh, an hour turned into two hours. I know you know that. Uh, yeah, I'm watching the clock. <laughs> Before you leave. You'll just, get my bill. You'll get my bill. <laughs> just let everybody know how they can hear the program okay. and uh, if they want to contact you, uh, the particulars, the floor is yours. To contact me, it's very simple. Go to WilmerLeon.com. Go to WilmerLeon. Hey, Maurice, if you're still listening, man, uh, go to WilmerLeon.com, and you can send me an email from there. And uh, you can you can find me Saturdays from 11 to 2 on Sirius XM 126 Urban View. The show is Inside the Issues. And then you can also find me uh, Monday through Friday from 2 to 4 live Eastern on uh, Radio Sputnik. 
And if you just go to Sputnik International, you can uh, listen to the show online. It's 105.5 FM in D.C., but it's online. Just go to Radio Sputnik, and you can find uh, find me there with my co-host, Garland Nixon. The show is called The Critical Hour on Look, Radio Sputnik with my co-host, Garland Nixon. Listen, I'm glad to have you with us. And, and, and Richard, this is, this is what I've been talking about, about black media, especially in these times we're living in, working together, sharing information. Uh, Dr. Leon's on SiriusXM. We're streaming online. But the messages that he's giving, it needs to be this type of uh, sharing, this type of back and forth. This is what we need. It's too much of, you know, I don't want to be critical of of, uh, other people's programs, but it's too much of this type of Democratic uh, cheerleading shows that don't really get to the issues. They'll talk around issues, but they won't go straight to the issues. We see it all the time. We got a black talk station here in Philadelphia. It's guilty of that as far as I'm concerned. And I'm quite sure we're not alone. If if I could just uh, say add quickly going out, uh, there are a lot of folks that are they're going to read my piece, um, or not read it simply because they don't they don't like the title, the dangers of menstrual diplomacy, and one of the things that I have found out over the years, is that a lot of folks get angry when I write stuff like this, and then I ask them, well, are you mad that I said it, or did I say something wrong? Because I love for tell me I'm wrong, right? For calling out Akeem Jeffries for supporting the United States invading Haiti, tell me I'm wrong. For Gregory Meeks supporting genocide, right? And then explain to me why I'm wrong. But what I have found it more times than not is that they're angry that I said it. Because they can't refute what I say. So the truth is its own defense. Uh, glad to have you with us, and I'll be in touch. Okay, man. Look, <laughs> hopefully I won't oh, be oh, seventy-four. Wait, wait, wait. Y'all take care. Well, wait, wait, uh, uh, Dr. Leon. Yeah, we got a call just popped on. They might want to talk to you. Listen, let's, oh. let's go to Philadelphia. Okay. okay. Are you there, right. Philadelphia? Yeah, hello, this is Philadelphia. Okay, go ahead. We uh, still got Brother Richard, uh, Brother Elliot, uh, listen, uh, the conversation that I heard tonight, I don't know if I can add much more, but I just want to say this. Uh, this is one of uh, Dr. Leon's uh, many fans, James from Philadelphia. I want to say to everybody, this man, man is this is the heir apparent to Ron Walters. This is this is our Ron Walters of today. No, this sir. Is our, he, no, sir. Huh? No, do not do not insult Dr. Walters like I am one of his on. I am one of his students. <laughs> I am I am one of his students, but please do not insult that man like that. Well Dr. Leon, listen, I, I don't think it's an insult I listen, I know how great Ron Walters was and what a what a political uh giant he was. I don't mean to insult Ron Walters. I I think I'm complimenting you. You 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 today I, to me. Are the are the are Ron Walters of well, today? I don't mean it as an insult. To, to no, 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 no. And I was, I, you got, you understand what I'm saying. I, uh, I, I, I do understand. I do understand what you're saying. But yes, I, I do understand what you're saying. But I, I just wanted to, just that's I had to say. This this man, you know, you. Uh, listening thank to you. his show on, on Sirius XM. I mean, and and, and just in terms of the the black uh, po- political and talk radio uh, universe. 
to me, uh, Doc Leon, he's, he's, he's number one. He's the voice today that, uh, that we all should be listening to when it comes to, uh, with, uh, with black politics. So that's Thank all, that's all I, I want to say. I just want to call and give, you know, Doc Leon his props. <laughs> I, appreciate, <laughs> you know? I appreciate it, man. And, yeah. and let, let me just, let me just quickly say that the, that, uh, Dr. Ronald Walters is the reason I have a PhD in black politics. I went to Howard specifically to study under him and, and, uh, one of the most phenomenal minds, I, folks. The book "White Nationalism: Black Interests" uh, is a is a is a phenomenal read. It's all myself. <laughs> oh, oh. So I, I appreciate the compliment, and uh, I truly understand it. But, uh, ugh. Right, he would be man. He would be man. Your props, and you know that, that's that's what they keep telling you. You know, go that's ahead and tell right. props. So can I, can I, before we get out, I don't know how much time we got. Can I tell you a, a real quick Ron Walter story? Go ahead. Good. Okay. So it's the second, it's the second uh, million man March and I'm down there broadcasting and I'm, I'm going through the, um, the press gate and I see a Mary Baraka. So I, I'm, I stop and I'm talking to Baraka and then as I'm standing there with, with Baraka, Dr. Clarence Lusane walks up. So now the three of us are standing there talking. And then Professor Ogletree walks up. And, and now the four of us are standing there rapping. And so we're laughing and joking. And then Dr. Walters walks up. And I go over to him and hug him. And Clarence goes over to him and hug him, hugs him. And, and Baraka says, he says to Dr. Walters, he says, Ron, Ron, you know Wilmer and you know Clarence? And Dr. Walters looks at us and he puts his arms around us and he says, these are two of my boys. <laughs> and, and, and then and, and, uh, a Baraka says, as only Baraka could say, J.D., Ron, why is it every bad MF I meet? Is one of your boys? <laughs> oh, because he was a bad MF. <laughs> he was a bad MF. Shut your mouth. Well, I'm talking about Shaft. <laughs> anyway, I'm out, y'all. I'm out. Peace. And peace. Thank you. Thank you. All and everyone right. read his article. What'd you say again, Richard? I said, and everyone, please read his article. Oh, okay. Thank Listen. you. Appreciate it. I'm All out. Right. All right, peace. Take care now. Listen, we're going we gonna to come back and close out. Richard, I want you to hear, um, I played it Friday, but I didn't play that other part of uh, what Tadahisi Coach said in reference to uh, to Jeffries, but he didn't mention his name, but he was talking about Jeffries. I, I, I want to play that when we come back from break. It'll be about a minute. We'll be right back.
Awakening, Time for an Awakening, with host Brother Elliot and Brother Richard on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American owned and operated insurance agency in business for over 20 years. Located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services. Representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies. Offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 21- 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter. Serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today. 484-268-9837. The Digital Plantation. Abibitumi.com. Abibitumi.tv. Abibitumi.tv.com. Abibitumi.store are here for you. You are ready to be free of non-African social media. Don't run from danger, run to safety. Abibitumi.com is here for you. You are ready to be free of digital plantations to control your own products. Abibitumi.store is here for you. A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I. Black Power. A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I. The only word you need to know to join your global commit you black family to join your interconnected commit to you black communities escape the digital plantation now abibitumi.com abibitumi.tv abibitumitv.com abibitumi.store we are here for you escape the digital plantation a new era a new phase of the struggle where we have moved from a struggle for decency, which characterized our struggle for 10 or 12 years, to a struggle for genuine equality. And this is where we are getting the resistance because there was never any intention uh, to go this far. People were reacting to Bull Connor and to Jim Clark rather than acting in good faith for the realization of genuine equality. Do you think white people in this country, and I'm talking about non-segregationists, people devoid or thinking they're devoid of racism, do you have any idea of what they want the Negro to be in America? I think the vast majority of white Americans uh, will go but so far. It's a kind of installment plan for equality, and uh, they are always looking for an excuse Uh, to go, but so far. And know that this problem needs to be solved and we can't keep relegating it to generation after generation because a few of us got a little money, a few of us got positions, a few of us have wealth while the masses of our people are going steadily down. No one man can rise above the condition of his 
people. See, brother said responsibility. Is it, is it that we should let them take responsibility to do for us? Or should we pool the knowledge that's at the table, the power that's in our community, the wealth that's in our community to change the harsh reality of black life in America? We have to do the job of fulfilling the black agenda. Thank you. Whites are expert game players in their contests to maintain absolute power. One of the time-honored gimmicks is to point to individual blacks who've achieved recognition. But look at Raft Bunch. Think about Lena Horne or Mary Anderson. Look at Jackie Robinson. They made it as one of those who has made it. I would like to be thought of as an inspiration to our young, but I don't want them lied to. Name them for me. The examples of blacks who made it. For virtually everyone you name, I can give you a sordid piece of factual information on how they have been mistreated, humiliated. Not being able to fight back is a form of severe punishment. I come here tonight and plead with you. Believe in yourself and believe that you're somebody. As I said to the group last night, Nobody else can do this for us. No document can do this for us. No Lincolnian Emancipation Proclamation can do this for us. No Kennesonian or Johnsonian Civil Rights Bill can do this for us. If the Negro is to be free, he must move down into the inner resources of his own soul and sign with a pen and ink of self-assertive manhood his own emancipation proclamation. Don't let anybody take your manhood. For an Awakening is a proud part of the Black Talk Radio Network, the number one independent black digital and podcasting platform. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. I want to thank our guest that spent some time with us this evening. Spent a little overtime, Richard Arthur, yeah. and XM Radio host, political scientist, Dr. Wilma Leon. Uh, uh, one of the callers, uh, the, uh, the brother out of... Uh, Texas said that he didn't catch the whole thing, but we'll, I'll have it up on the podcast. He'll be able to, uh, uh, to pull it down off the website to hear, uh, the program in its entirety. Uh, Richard, um, you know, I, I played, uh, a, a portion of that clip when, um, Tadahisi coach came back from Gaza, uh, on Friday, but I didn't play that second portion of what he said in reference to um, his elected representative. Now, he said, my congressman, but do you see the area New York he lives in? I'm 98% sure that's Jeffrey's district. Mm. But uh, let me play it again, and I'll play the whole thing again for 
uh, any of the people that didn't hear it on Friday, but I'll play that other portion that you didn't hear. Uh, I'll play both both of them if I can. Uh, here it is. I had this degree of anxiety about going um, because I knew I was going to see something, um, something I couldn't quite name. And I knew because of my upbringing, because of my mother, because of my father, because of my wife, because of my son, because of my community, that after I saw the thing, I would have to come back and talk about it. Um, that there was no option in which I did not talk about it. And I, and I thought I was going to another country. But in fact, what amazed me was I actually felt that I was in the same country. But I was in a different time. I was in the time of my parents and my grandparents. I can think back to... Um, all of the articles I've read, all the things I've seen said about how complicated and how complex the situation is and the occupation is, I say it's complex, it's complicated. And it's made to sound as though you need a degree um, in Middle Eastern studies or some such, a PhD, to really understand what's happening. But I understood the first day. We went uh, to East Jerusalem uh, <clears throat> to try to visit in the way that uh, uh, Muslims uh, visit to Alaska Mosque. And I, and I can remember being there, and there were four IDF guards, biggest guns I'd ever seen in my life. And they checked IDs, and they gave us our IDs back. And then they did nothing. They just made us wait. And we waited, and we waited, and we waited. There was no list, there was no protocol, there was no anything. They were just making us wait because they could. And somewhere in the back of my mind, I was like, I know what this is. I know exactly what this is. The second day we went to Hebron, and I can remember walking down streets with a Palestinian guide. And we would get to certain streets, and he would say, I can't walk down this street with you. You can walk, I cannot, because I'm Palestinian. And I thought, I, I know what that is. As we drove through the occupied territories, and I would look out, and I would see roads that Palestinians could use, and roads that only Israeli Jews could use, I said, I, I know what this is. As I saw different colored license plates for different classes of people, I said, I, I know what this is. As I saw communities that I can only describe as, as segregated, I said, this is Chicago. It's Baltimore. It's Philadelphia. And I don't mean to center the whole world on America. We have a tendency to do that. But my lens is my lens. This is all I have. And what I felt was a tremendous weight. I felt the obvious thing that I think all of us feel that our tax dollars are effectively subsidizing apartheid, subsidizing a segregationist order, a Jim Crow regime. But I also felt that as an African American 
who is reared on the fight against Jim Crow, against white supremacy, against apartheid. I, I, I felt tremendous shame. How could I not know? How could I not know that the only democracy in the Middle East as it builds itself is segregated? How did I not know that? And, and what, I, what I came to, Michelle, was that Israel is a democracy, the only democracy in the Middle East, in the exact same way that America is the oldest democracy in the world. Richard, uh, just like we mentioned Friday, you, you heard him say that he wasn't aware of a lot of these things. Right. Until he went. Now, this is not a, you know, a, a brother necessarily from the street that they're working every day, you know, a, a blue collar. This is a intelligent young man, uh, college degree, and an author, public speaker. But he said he wasn't aware, Richard, until he mm-hmm. went. But then we got the optics, what uh, Professor Leon was talking about, Dr. Leon. Right. When you got young blacks in his age bracket, like LeBron James made statements about I stand with Israel, like uh, uh, Floyd Mayweather said the same thing. So you you got that dynamic happening, but he went over there and seen it. And he said, you hear what he said about Mm -hmm. his tax dollars supporting an apartheid government that he wasn't aware of it, and he said it took one day for him to see what that was. But I want to play that little second portion because he mentioned something in this second portion, Richard, that uh, kind of goes to what we were talking about tonight. Let me let me play that. It's a little short piece. What would it mean for all the suffering that I've endured as a, as, as a black person individually? What would it mean for all of the violence that we've endured ourselves, for all the babies that were bombed in churches, for the fact that we as a people are the products of rape and sexual assault, that it marks every one of us down to our genes? What would it mean to have suffered some 250 years of enslavement, a period longer than our our, our time of freedom? And to derive from that, that what we really need is power. And what we do with that power really doesn't matter as long as we safeguard ourselves. I was watching the news yesterday and I I saw, in fact, my my congressman actually. And journalists asked him, he said, he said, how do you measure the amount of death, the body count? At, At what point is it enough? At what point do you say, you know what, this is actually too much, this is actually tipping into something? And my man couldn't give a number. He couldn't say when it was too much. And some people will watch that and get angry, and I understand that. And I watched it and got really sad. You heard that, Richard? Yep. Yes. That's the dilemma we're in, Elliot. Well, there's no dilemma. That's what we're working out, working through. You know, the, you know, you, you, we we heard. Yeah, that's what we're working through. And you notice what he said that what we need is power. Mm-hmm. And whatever we do with it, we need to protect ourselves. You heard him say that. 
And if you're not going to get power if you don't know your core values and your interests and can be able to articulate them, whether you are sitting for 10 days, 10 years, or 10,000 years, when someone comes to you and say, uh, what do you, uh, can you do this? Or what are you doing? You can be able to articulate what you believe and, and what's your interest for whatever exchange. If you can't do that, then you, it, it, I don't, are you a people? Shit, are you, are you an individual? I mean, you would know if you're hungry or you're thirsty. Before somebody come to you, I don't know. That thought just came to me. Yeah, that's it. Well, listen. That uh, first, it, it, in my mind, it first starts with organization. Yeah, and uh, you know that that organizing leadership, or I don't want to use the term political organizing. The leadership organizing is 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 a must because we can't keep letting these people put a message out there that is that don't represent the masses of black people. We just can't. So when you got just like uh, Professor Leon said, it starts uh, in in small areas and builds out. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to. I think he said it in that term. So it starts mm-hmm. in East New York with Charles Barron. It, it starts with uh, Khalid Rahim in Pittsburgh and Brother Namdi and Brother Brandon down there in in uh, Baltimore and and uh, Brother Yeshitelli down there in Florida and Zaki Baroudi out there in St. Louis and and. Uh, and Brother Patrick Lumumba and, and Brother Malik Hayes down there in Mississippi. It starts with all these men doing the work that they're doing and others that I didn't mention uh, tonight. Or that their name just escapes me. But it starts with all these men. Is organization going on, Richard? Yes, it is. But we just can't. We don't want to be like uh, Cynthia McKinney said, those dozens just standing around watching. Well, you got other players, whether which she mentioned the players involved, the black man beating the other one, the uh, uh, one intervening with the boss. And you got Kunta being whipped. You got, you got players, but then you got, she said, dozens just standing by watching. We don't want to be those dozens standing by watching. That's it. Before we leave tonight, just give the lineup on time for an awakening media to Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. African Perspectives with Brother Oshi. Always interesting topics and dialogues on African Perspectives. That's Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Later on in the week, Mississippi on the move, the Black Liberation Movement down in Mississippi, Brother Patrick Lumumba uh, and Brother Malik Hayes will probably be uh, the host and co-host. And that's on Thursday from... 8 to 10. That's Thursday, 8 to 10 p.m. Mississippi on the move. Uh, Friday, time for an awakening is back from 10, uh, from 8 until on Saturdays, the elders of Sankofa with Dr. Janine James is host from 7 to 9. And then on Sunday, time for awakening is back from 7 until. I want to thank everybody for listening to the program this evening. Lively discussion as always, and we'll be back on Sunday, Lord willing, to continue on this path towards an awakening. Peace. Peace. If you're driving through the country on a lazy afternoon, 
Children. 